Warning, the Don't Talk podcast may contain language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Please be aware that this podcast may contain spoilers for some anime series, including Run With The Wind. So... Use caution if you haven't finished them. Lastly, the views and opinions expressed by the participants do not reflect those of the Duck Duck podcast as a whole. Oh man, who's in your voices? To try recording a podcast while running a 20k marathon. Man, they don't pay me enough for this. Oh, God. Hello, and welcome to Dev Talk, where a group of athletes run from Hakone to Tokyo and find some time to talk about English sounds for anime along the way. I'm Jet, and I'm joined tonight by Steph. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can I can I have a minute? <coughs> uh, <laughs> you say we're athletes. I am in no way a goddamn athlete. The last time I did any sport <laughs> was in uh, elementary school, and it was field hockey. All I did was play with the field hockey stick on the field. I didn't do shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> what the fuck? Patrick... <laughs> 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 My hammies! My hammies are on fire! <laughs> <laughs> and Megan. Wait, you guys ran here? With the shape I'm in, I just rolled. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get the momentum from going that? down Hakanai? Did you get the momentum yes. from Hakanai? Yep. <laughs> it's like Sonic the Fat Hog. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Megan! And Knuckles! <laughs> <laughs> Featuring Dante uh, from Devil May Cry! Sponsored by Rage Shadow Legends? Yes. I am definitely very look I, I am definitely very much looking forward to how they redesigned Knuckles for the next Sonic movie. <laughs> it's just it's just It's uh it's uh what's his nuts who plays uh it's it's Dave Batista and Knuckles Kiku. <laughs> <laughs> Fund it. Fuck. Let's go. <laughs> to the moon, Dave Batista and the Knuckles Cuss and a Knuckles Kiku. To the moon. <laughs> Shit. Suck oh, on these I'm nuts, Dogecoin. Reco- I'm glad we're recording this at oh. 6 o'clock at night instead of at 9 because I'm dying already and I'm being loud obnoxious. Oh, I think my doorbell just rang. I will be right back. <laughs> you want hey, to talk about hello? We're here to talk to you about your bad takes. <laughs> Do you have to talk? <laughs> Close the door, locks it. This is your last call about your car's extended warranty. Hello, we're we're here to reach you about your Gundam's extended warranty. <laughs> I've had fucking robocalls ring. about like chronic back pain and shit. I'm like, ring, what? Ring, jokes ring, on ring. you. I don't have a car. Jokes on me. Cries. <laughs> oh, ring, no. ring. Hello. 
Hello, yes, uh, Tanjo residents. Hi there, we're here to call about your Utena's extended warranty. <laughs> On any normal day, I would cut this, but now I don't know if I should. Ring, ring. That is a joke so layered that I don't think I'll ever top that in my life. Oh, shit. That, that's a good end of episode omake right there, though. Oh, god damn. Okay. Oh, god. Uh, okay, I'm back. Alright, so, where were we? Uh, so we're all here to talk about the 2018 sports anime. It's at the matter folks at Production IG. Run with the wind. We're going for a run, boys. Uh, <laughs> Production IG. We do uh, not yeah, know yeah. what a high schooler looks like. <laughs> To be f- yeah. now, now give them credit. <laughs> These aren't high schoolers. These are college kids. There were a couple flashbacks. Uh, so that, still that, that, to be fair, okay. To be fair, I'm pretty sure this is like the exact same, the exact team they had on high So fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, even better with music by My Hero Academia's composer. Uh, so like, uh, well, I mean, Yuki Hayashi is that, that man is getting paid. Yes. He's in everything. Very much so. <laughs> getting that paycheck. Fuck everything else, man. Uh, so if you haven't seen Run With The Wind, here is a brief synopsis from A&M. Haiji is an enthusiastic fourth-year student at Katsu University who has been suffering gathering men for the track and field team on the campus. As Kakaru Kurohara is now his first-year student because a promising 10th member, Kiyose dreams of participating at the Hakone Ekiden, a famous relay university marathon race. And uh, that's the basic gist of it. So, it's like, so it's this one guy ripping nine suckers into running a marathon for him. It's and in the best what happens possible if, way. What happened if you let the devil <laughs> what go happens into when you a human Satan? body? Let's just go with this. Haiji can gas can gaslight girl boss's way into a team. <laughs> he doesn't gatekeep though. No, he does not. Haiji's a good boy, but he can be safe. He is also a male wife. Join my running team or I'll um, break your knees. Except I won't, because I need I need those to be Join okay. my running team. Join, join my, my running team, team or join my running team or you're gonna oh, have to man, move it'd be a terrible shame if you had to Move all this manga. Haiji <laughs> <laughs> no! somehow. Hi- I still can't believe that Haiji somehow convinced a lawyer to do all this. I know. Um, <laughs> we, this is a civil rights case. I mean, technically, your only your only requirement was to move into the dorm. So good luck with that. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I love Haiji. What happens when you get... We found him. Haiji, king of the himbos. <laughs> Listen, Demon King from Sleepy Princess comes close, though. Yeah, but has Demon... Here's the thing. Demon King from Sleepy Princess, mm-hmm. at one point, it became... She's not locked in there with them. They're locked in there with her. Yeah. Haiji... Haiji willingly locked the, got them to lock themselves in with him. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, by the promises by the logic, of happiness and joy, happiness, joy, and pussy. For the twins, 
Yes! <laughs> Fuck. Happiness, joy, and puss puss. <laughs> oh, God. Shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, this, this is a group of good boys. This is a group with D's nuts. These are good boys, but Haiji can sometimes be literally the devil. It's great. I love Haiji. Haiji is like Haiji's like Toru from from Fruits Basket, but his intentions are are less a little less pure. Yes. You're going to run yourself. You're going to run, and it's going to make you a better person. It's going to get you a job. <laughs> what? And pussy. Uh. And pussy. Shit. Anyway, I apologize, Jet. Good, because it's probably going to go on the entire night. I'm sorry ahead of time. I mean, to be fair, this is a series about a bunch of college guys, so... Mm -hmm. oh, 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 yes, the... the the extreme variety for anime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, every almost everybody's over the age of 18. <laughs> All of them can drink legally, except for three. <laughs> At least three of them can't drink legally. By the end of the series, they could all drink. Yes, by the end of the series. But at the start, no. Alright, so I guess we should start getting into this. So, so as always, we're here to talk about the dub for this show. And we will start by talking about our EDR voice director and adaptive scriptwriter for the dub. Uh, for this show on voice direction, we have Mr. Shannon Reed. And on adaptive scripts, uh, we also have Shannon Reed pulling double duty as well as Marta Bechtel. Uh, Shannon Reed has written and directed on dubs such as Shirobako, Our Child Can't Study, and the new Sentai Dabapaki. Uh, Marta Bechtel, on the other hand, has done a lot of adaptive script work in Sentai. Including for shows like After the Rain, Food Wars, and Scum's Wish. Megan, why don't you go first? Okay, yay! So, this was, like, the most requested dub I've had from Sentai in a long time. <laughs> this was my white whale after Haikyuu. And when they announced it, we were like, holy Jesus, finally! Thank you, God! Cause, cause this was It was announced at the same time at um, Anime NYC two years ago, along with O Maidens. Yeah. Oh yeah, we were literally yeah, there. Yeah, we were literally Every, there. Everybody in this call but poor Patrick was there. Yeah. Don't worry, we're taking him to Anime NYC this year. Hell Maybe yeah. one year I'll go. Wink, wink. Do we quick nudge, 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 nudge kidnap, Not so kidnap. subtle hint. No, so I think that the direction on the show is very strong. Um, I do have a couple of minor gripes, which is that uh, some of the background ensemble sounds a little too old at times for high college students even and that i didn't necessarily per particularly like when some people played their character but in high school because they sounded obviously like i could see like a college student in his like mid-20s sounding like that but not like a 15 or 16 year old the script writing on this was super strong i thought the script really got across the heart of the show like, immeasurably, because by the end of it, this is a show that does things like a sports anime, but it ends not like what you think a more shonen sports anime would end, because frankly, this isn't a shonen show, it's more of a seinen. Uh, and I think a, it's a series that is appreciated a bit by an older audience, 
Yeah, like yeah, like in a nutshell, the goal, well, like the goal of this show is not necessarily for the characters to win necessarily. Right. Yeah, and they and they end up coming to a realization that they aren't going to to win the Ekiden, and it's before the end of the show. It's even before the the Ekiden starts because the whole uh the whole point of the series is that Haiji tricks them all into running. Uh, this huge, like, big-ass race in Japan called the Ekiden, mm-hmm. where they have to climb this mountain, and it's like a huge, like, ten-leg race with ten people, and it's insane. And you just don't waltz up to enter the Ekiden. And to keep in mind, the majority of the peop- of the ten people that Haiji did manage to get are novices at the whole running, long-distance running Are novices, are there novices, a chain-smoker... A former track and person what, chain smoker. Joker. And Prince. <laughs> Prince is his own thing. Prince is his own category. <laughs> I think that the script really does get the heart of what this series is about. That it's not about winning. It's about becoming a better person in mm-hmm. the end. And that really resonates. Like, there's not just random slang thrown out. There's not just... And by random slang, like, I I don't mean, like, these kids talk like high school kids pretending to be adult kids. They talk like 20-somethings being 20-somethings. Like, nobody's yelling out D's nuts and yeet. <laughs> Randomly. Yeet. That's my job. That's uh, <laughs> As in, you're 30-something. Yeet. Yeet. <laughs> okay, like, so I play Magic in Tabletop Simulator with my friends. And now in the middle of our board, it's just a button. And when you click it, it just goes, bruh. (laughs) And I'm trying to find a place that I can get a custom one from when we play in person. That's amazing. That's like, ah, but as you know, Megan, it's pronounced brew. (laughs) (laughs) Back arrow is ruined forever. (laughs) Um, But like, I think for more about that, maybe. Maybe, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, I know there's probably something that one thing that Jet wants to bring up himself, so I'll let him do it. I will say that I didn't appreciate that it felt like they cut the first aspect of it, but I'm really glad they didn't cut the second aspect of a certain thing. And I know Jet runs a very particular Twitter account, and I hope that he puts those clips up there eventually. Overall, I think this is a really good dub. This is a really good effort from Sentai. I don't think it's necessary. I think it's probably up there for me as one of Shannon's better works. And I will say, especially once you get past uh, Kakaru's kind of like emotional bullshit, the actual Ekiden race episodes, yes. the acting is top fucking notch. Yeah. Oh, it's great. For a cast that I think when we all saw it come out, we were all like, uh, there's a lot of unknowns in this. So. It's either unknowns or it's like, or, oh man. <laughs> no. Oh, it's, oh no, you've given a, you've given a bad performance in another show and now I'm scared. I mean. Anyway. <laughs> Okay, uh, Patrick, why don't you go? Sure. Um, first of all, the the script writing does the two things that I look for in a sort of comedic-esque anime kind of series. Um, it's very punchy, and it's full of banter. Everybody feels fleshed out in terms of the principal cast. Like Megan said, some of the side players, I don't think anybody were actually particularly covering was a bit weird. Um, actually, I think there is one we will be, but that'll be when we get there. Um, but otherwise, 
I think the casting of this is solid. Um, I'm not as familiar with particularly the Houston acting pool as I am in other areas. Um, so some of these people I'm hearing for the first time, even though I know they've done mm. some other things. Okay. A couple had some reputation for some other shows. But yeah. Um, I think this was a solid outing for Sentai all around. From a technical perspective, it is probably one of their strongest, in my opinion. Uh, cool. Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to agree with a majority of things that have already been said. Um, I'll start on the script first, because 100%. It's witty, it's full of banter, it's comedic timing is just really, really amazing and so much fun. And there are some fun moments and one-liners in the show, too. I feel like I... Oh. <laughs> For example, in episode 5, when um, it's very early on in their training, and they're having... It's... No, it was after, I think it was the um, first track meet they went to, and the majority of them had to like learn the hard way what it's actually like and you have Shindo precious Shindo drunk off his ass say the word slow as freaking molasses show is oh my god he nailed being drunk as fuck it was good Shindo was very precious and adorable and there and there are some other fun lines I didn't write a lot of fun lines honestly and I usually do but I remember that one. I'm like, slow as freaking molasses. But that's a saying that, like, me and my family have said numerous times. I'm like, I've heard of this! <laughs> um, so I felt that was, like, a weird call-out to me, and it was great. Um, I will say this. In terms of the directing, I weirdly enough, I didn't have as much of an issue with um, some of, like, the secondary characters or the minor characters like I've had in the past with uh, a lot of Sentai dubs where they don't really sound natural. So th first of all, kudos there. It's, they sound really great here. I also didn't really have much issue or um, issue or um, problems with um, what you were saying earlier Megan about some of the characters acting as like their high school versions or things something some of that. I actually that actually didn't bother me too much. Weirdly enough, um, I will say in the early episodes, there are a few people that it was a little rough for, but they grew into it a lot more towards, um, as the show progressed. Um, but that's usually growing pains for any new show anyway. Um, but I have, I'm going to give kudos to Shannon Reed 100%. One, the casting is so much fun. Two, um... This is probably one of the stronger dubs I've seen Shannon direct from him. And three, this is probably one of the strongest ensemble casts I've seen in a while. Like, I really love the ensemble cast, and it's to the point where I don't have one single favorite performance. I have a handful. And I also don't have, well, I might have at least one or two favorite characters. But, like, as an entire group together, it just seems, it's so seamless and it sounds so much fun. And, oh, it's one of my favorite ensembles definitely from the past few years, for sure. Uh, so, for me, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I've uh, listened to a few things Shannon's done. And this is definitely 
Uh, it's definitely pretty high up there as far as a lot of his works go. Uh, the voice direction here is uh, generally pretty solid. The main kind of especially bounce off each other really well, and they have some great chemistry between their performances. And uh, like you guys are saying, there's like definitely some really good uh, comedy between them, and I really appreciated a lot of the good comedic timing. And I thought everyone was pretty solidly casted and solid uh, some occasional depicts with their delivery. I can't think of anything, and I can't think of anyone who felt like they were like really miscast or anything. And I definitely appreciated that as an aside that all the black four students were played by black voice actors, mm -hmm. so that was cool. Um, Script-wise, uh, things were fine. I thought it was very faithful to the original translation. As I, uh, the characters had some really good banter between them. Uh, there were a few points where it felt like maybe a little, little over, overly literal at times, and I thought that kind of hurt some of the naturalism a little bit. Uh, it felt like some of the dialogue could have been like a little sappier in some scenes, especially for how much the costume team has to like play off each other. But uh, but it's more of a nitpick, and I think it's like generally fine otherwise. And uh, yeah, um, overall on a technical front, this is uh, pretty solid. Uh, like a couple, like a like the sounds maybe a little uneven here and there, but on the whole, it's pretty strong and definitely one of Shannon's better dubs and definitely one of the better sometimes I've heard. And uh, with that, we can start talking about some of our cast members a little bit. So, uh, so first up, we have some members of the supporting cast and our two oh main rival characters. Well, for a well, for a very loose definition of rival, considering that meeting either of them isn't really the goal for the costume team at all. We have one supposed antagonist and one fucking asshole that deserves to get punched in the face. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I, I, uh, I think I Patrick has described him. Don't much care for looking motherfucker. I was about to say, I think Patrick has described him on several occasions as the I think I was the first one. I think I was the first one to do it, like, back in 2018. I was like, what? who is this Senji Mato-looking bitch? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, I remember, so, yeah, I remember seeing that on, I think that I, I think it was, uh... Was it A&N? Yeah, definitely was this week in anime called they did that joke. Yeah, that's where I got it from. Yeah, and it definitely is very fitting, but anyway. God, I have a fucking <laughs> rant about Shinji Mato that I don't know if I want to do here or if I want to save it from, like, when we actually talk about Heaven's Feel. But, okay, I'm going to do it now. Sorry, Jet, before we talk. So, before I cut off all my hair again, uh -oh. and I mean, like, cut almost all my hair off. Like, I went from having hair at, like, my shoulders to, like, up above my ears. Yeah. So, my hair is naturally, like, wavy and curly and very fine. Right. So, if I don't flat iron it, I become really fat Shinji Mato. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And you all know it's true. Oh, no. Patrick, you know it's a true fact that when I don't flatten my hair, it uh. looks like Shinji Mato. I didn't you want can to say, say anything. Just say it. <laughs> Rip the bandage off. You're you're gonna have to live with me it for the rest looks of your like life. Shinji Mato. Oh no! <laughs> when you grow it out to that kind of kind of longish, it looks like Shinji Mato. <sighs> While Patrick cycles circles down into a deep depression. <laughs> Patrick yeah, uh, so circles Pat down into a deep depression. <laughs> Excuse me? 
<laughs> uh, so uh, while we two are excuse uh, so... me, I love you, Megan. <laughs> That's it. Hold on, uh, so get Andrew on the phone. No, no, don't put him on the phone. He's in get the Andrew room. in this room right no. now, Stephanie. No, Stephanie, put him on. No, he's in the bedroom, Ste- probably playing Fire Emblem right now, dude. Stephanie, this is important. <laughs> Do, we do have it. To? Do yes. it. Do it. Babe. Come here. Uh, yes, Panda. Give me a pant. Do you guys all hear her in the back? Come here. I'm going to give him my headphones, okay? Here okay. you go, babe. Happy birthday. What's up? Andrew. Andrew Lloyd. Your girlfriend has committed a great crime against me. In my admittance that when I grow my hair out, I look like Shinji Mato. A curse that none of us but me have to bear. She said she was more sorry for Patrick than I, her best friend. (laughs) Your face makes me- I thought that in this podcast family- we put chicks before dicks. <laughs> and your girlfriend Stephanie has betrayed me. <laughs> Andrew Lloyd, for one month, I put you and give you as the, the leader of Horny Jail a get out of jail free card from Horny Jail. You are absolved of all your horny crimes. And I decree that one Miss Stephanie, whatever the fuck her middle name is, is now not allowed any dick dick for the next week. <laughs> Jet, take over, please. Come here, Panda. Is this one of those in trouble now? Yes. Oh, Lord. Uh, so that was a... Have fun, sweetie. Uh, so... Uh, Panda is like, as I was doing that, Panda is looking at me from my door cracked just open and barking at me. <laughs> Panda. Do you hear uh, this? So... Hold on a second. I'm going to go put her on the bed. Panda. Jet, you introduce things. I will grab the child. Side note, Nira is adorable and precious and I want that dog. Uh, so that was a very uh, <laughs> awkward segue. But, uh, I'm going to have fun uh, editing so, uh, this later. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, uh, talking about some of these uh, characters, we've got Haruka Kazuta, Geni uh, Tsurotazuki, Kazuma Fujioko, and Kosuke Sakaki. Uh, Hana is a high school girl from the shopping district who's friends with Taiji and helps out with the team sometimes, uh, while Tazuki is the Kazi team's coach, but mostly in, team, in name only since Taiji's the one basically running things. Uh, Fujioka is the captain of the Rikido team, who, who are known as the current champions, and he's an old friend of Haiji's. Meanwhile, Sakaki is a lot and perhaps the long-lost brother of Sijimato. <laughs> uh, but the basic... <laughs> Not wrong. Um, <laughs> he's also a dick, just like Shinjimato, so similes are there. Yes. Yeah, uh, but the basic rundown with this dude is he's a member of the Tokyo Fiscal Education team, who used to be on the same team as Kakaru in high school. Uh, but presents him for his role in getting that team shut down and 
kind of has an axe to grind with the whole Kate team because of it. Mostly Kakeru. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm playing Hada. We have Alyssa Merrick. For Tazuki, we have James Belcher. And for Fujioka, we have Josh Morrison. And for Sakaki, we have Tyler Golando. Uh, Alyssa Merrick has played such characters as Ray Suzuki in Why Are You Here, Teacher. Um, Sorry, I'm going to mention this name. Uh, Antarctica? Uh, Antarctica? Yeah, Antarctica in Land of the Lustrious. Thank you. <laughs> we tried. Uh, um, Aoi Minamori and I. And yeah, and Aoi Minamori in Shiramato. Uh, James Belcher has played such characters as Dr. Dr. Harada and Jiai Furu. Uh, Kojiro Rizaki in Love Stage, and a narrator in Food Wars. Uh, Josh Morrison has played such characters as Budo and Akame Gakil. Uh, Max Simon and Richard Barristers, Ben Masi Cecile. And Yutaka Goda in My Love Story. Lastly, Tara Galindo has played such characters as Koki Akane from Maneka Box, Mikhail Karata in Gate, and Rudin Haas Kode, aka Rudy from Log Horizon, which is a character I probably know him best for. Uh, so, uh, since Megan still seems to be disposed... Oh, no, I'm here. Oh. Uh, so do you want to go first again? Sure. My dog... I just carried this dog from my living room. Like, full-on picked her up, had her paws on my shoulder, put her on my bed, only for her to jump off my bed the second she heard something. Oh, my fuck God. Her. <laughs> Big baby. Dogs. Hey, can you close my door, please? Big baby. Oh, it's because my parents just came home, that's why. Oh, that's the noise that Panda heard. Yeah. Harry painted my ass. Um, <laughs> but you love her. I do. She's my baby. Um, so where are we starting at? Uh, I'll start with uh, James Belcher Asaki, because that's their coach, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think he does a good job being playing a convincing old man. Uh, he doesn't give him that stereotypical, like, old man grandpa voice. Mm -hmm. uh, he's just sounds elderly. I wish I could say more about him because he really doesn't come into play until, like, the very last part of the series. And even then, that's mostly him, like, repeating Haiji's orders. And while he doesn't, he does do a really good job, I think, in episode 20 or 21, where he's trying to convince Shindo to get out in the car. Yes. To which, Shindo, baby. Um, Shindo, sweet summer child. Uh, Josh Morrison as Fujioka. Um, I thought he did a good job as college-age Fujioka, playing off being a very, like, quieter, nice guy who's... He's not humble, but he's not, like, a braggart about his, his ability. And he's just genuinely a nice dude and a good captain. And I really liked... Uh, his and Haiji's friendship, even though you don't get to see it a lot in the series. I feel like if this was a very, uh, like, if this had, like, another ten episodes, I think we would see that more. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tyler as Sakaki. Shinjo <laughs> Sakaki deserved everything that happened to him in the series. Mm. Like, him, him and his team losing to, to Kansei in the end is one of the most satisfying things in an anime I've seen in a while. Yep. Because he fucking deserves it. I kind of wish Kakaru would have punched him in the face. Because he, he had it coming. The dirty bum. I mean, but let's face it. Kakaru would have lost his second chance at this True, too, so. but he also, like... 
That's that's the whole Sakaki, point that they Sak- make. I know, him. but Sakaki also deserves to get punched in the face. Oh, I'm fully aware he deserves to get and punched Tyler in the face. And Tyler does a good job making him sound very punchable. Um, that is a talent. Mm-hmm. That is an actual acting talent. Making a character sound punchable is is an acting talent. I do not want to punch Tyler. I want to punch Sakaki. And it's, I'm not it's usually. My, one... It's my argument of like, if you want me to make, if you want me to punch your character into the sun, then you done good, sir. <laughs> Yeah, like, you need to, like, make it convincing. There are times that I do wish that he put a little bit more bile into his performance for Sakaki. Mm -hmm. But overall, I don't think it crossed over into him being over the top. uh, Because that character never was over the top. He was, when I say I wanted more bile in his performance, in that, like, this guy is obviously what Kakaru... He's kind of the anti-Kakaru, because... Or the Kakaru that never grew up. Mm. Because he was always convinced that winning was the only thing that mattered and not bettering himself through what he was passionate about. Mm. And in the end, like, let's be real, what Kakaru did in high school, did it fuck up everybody else's life? Yes. Did Kakaru do the right thing? Also, Absolutely. yes. Absolutely. Also, yeah. yes. Uh, and then Alyssa as, he- as Hana. Uh... I like Alyssa's performing a lot. I just don't know if I liked it in this. I felt at times that she made Hanako sound a little too old. When Hanako aged up for years in the time in the little time skip at the end, I thought it was great. But there are times when she, for especially towards the beginning, where I felt like she sounded older than some of the college guys, hmm. and that was I I that was kind of like the uh, okay sure maybe. But I do think she grew into it by the end, and overall, I was satisfied with the performance. Okay, uh, Patrick. Yeah. Um, actually, I think I am gonna start with um, with Hanako and Alyssa. Um, I largely agree with what Megan said um, for the first couple of episodes that she shows up. Um, she definitely did sound a little too old, but there was a point in which I feel like she got the groove of the character right. And I want to say it was during the um, the training camp in the mountains. Mm. Okay. Like, I feel like right around that point, she got what she wanted to go for with the character down. Um, and then she was able to improve it over the course of the series. And then, of course, time skip, it was pretty much what she would want. I love James Belcher's Tazuki. He's great. Um, he sounds old, but not too old. Um, and I love the little gag they have with him that he's basically the king of groveling. Yes. That, that was a fun little bit. Because of the whole thing with... Um, yeah, we are talking about him, but uh, the Rob Mungo coach. The Rob Mungo coach who 100% deserved to get punched in the fucking face. Dirty bum bum bum. Offkey dirty bum bum bum. I just took a drink. What the fuck? He had it coming. He had it coming. He had it coming. All okay. I'm gonna stop. <laughs> I I was looking for an excuse to do that. I was pro. I was thinking about doing it with Sakaki, and then the opportunity came, so I had to take it. Which, okay, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do Sakaki next. Uh, I was going to save him for last, but... Oh, well. Opportunity arose. Um, Fuck Sakaki. 
Um, I Not hope that somebody, after the course of the series, took a big old boot, punted him straight in the sun. <laughs> I don't want to say the same about um, Teller Galindo, though, because he does a great job making Sakaki so scummy. And like Megan said, that is an absolute talent in and of itself. He is just so greasy. He is so smug. Um, I like how Megan described it as well as basically he's like he's like the Kakaru who didn't get over himself. Mm -hmm. He is exactly where Kakaru was going to go if you know things with the running club didn't alright let's be real I... <laughs> let's be real if Haiji didn't browbeat him Right. This is where he was going. Uh, probably. I mean, considering in the beginning of the show, Kakeru did just shoplift. Yeah, he, he yeah. shoplifted after losing all of his money in Mahjong. Mm -hmm. Or what, was it no, Mahjong? No, it was or a Pachinko. pachinko? See, it was Pachinko. The, see, here's the thing. In uh, the it was show, like, it, was it, it was probably in, It was probably like It was probably like Mahjong Pachinko or something. So, no, so uh, Kakeru was Pachinko. Because uh, but here's, King, here's the weird King loses thing. a bunch of money to, to Mahjong. Here's the on. weird thing. In the show, Kakeru says he lost it in Mahjong, but later on in an actual flashback in the same got No, a few episodes later, it's Pachinko. So a little weird inconsistency there. The thing I love most about his performance is right at the end during the marathon, um, where he is just absolutely trying to sight King out before the, the passing of the sash. Mm. Um, I think that was the peak of Sakaki's performance. Also, the, the thing in the training camp where um, Kakeru was about to punch him out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, there, there's just a lot of great moments with Sakaki, and I really like I really like Tyler as him. Um, and Josh Morrison as Fujioka. Um, I actually didn't mind him in the the high school flashback scenes because let's face it, the guy is basically a mountain even then. I still felt it was a little weird. Um, <laughs> it's okay. You, a, you, you a, just a, hit him really hard. It's a, it's a, okay, it's a, okay. Look, it's in the same camp as uh, Junichi Suave as Almeida. <laughs> Sure. I mean, it's not it's like, Almine's it's like, fault that he sounds like he smokes a pack a day, but it's still a good performance. I mean, let's be real. Fujioka, in the high school flashback scenes all the way to the actual main series, he looks like some guy just carved him out of marble. <laughs> Production IG, please learn how to draw high schoolers. Um, but I, I thought he was great. I I love how he pushes Kakeru and Haiji along yes. without actually, you know, being antagonistic. Um, he's not the villain of the series. He's just a roadblock. Um, I wouldn't necessarily I, call him a roadblock. I'd call him a rival, honestly. It kind of right. goes more to rival status. He is the immovable object in, um, in Kakaru's eyes, and using him to push himself forward, like, I, I thought their interactions were all really great. Um, I just... I like these sort of side players. Like it it was great. I'm I'm rambling now, so I'm going to pass it on. Um I'm going to start with James Belcher first actually 
believe it or not, I haven't really heard him too much in things. Um, so I think this is my first time actually, like, really paying attention to him. Um, and I, 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 I enjoyed him as Tazuki. Uh, old man who's not entirely the stereotypical old-sounding man. He just sounds like, an, he does sound like an old man, but not like the weird, like, lack of dentures kind of guy. Oh, the other point of Tazuki, I don't think that's been mentioned yet. He, I guess he used to be known in the, in the, um track and field world as a really good coach back in the day too oh yeah um so that's a thing <laughs> so like you guys have already said he's not exactly involved in coaching all that much um and uh the whole groveling king thing was great um let's see josh morrison as fujioka Fujioka certainly gives off a kind of a more of a serious, almost stoic kind of tone, which gives a larger dynamic to to most of the secondary cast, um, which I, which I think sounded really really nice and it was great. And like Patrick was saying, I I like how he was kind of also able to push both Haiji and Kakeru, um. It, it, to better themselves as well. And he's also a caring and sweet guy. I mean, before the new year, he, he went to go visit Kyokusei, and they, they he brought little sweets and things. It was very cute. Um, let's see. Alyssa as Hana. So, in terms of some of the secondary characters, I think Alyssa was the one that I think, for me, took me a little bit of time to grow into. One, because I don't really hear Alyssa very much too she's still relatively new she only has a handful of credits the only other thing I think I've seen her in is Land of the Lustrous um, and so with Hana it did take a tiny a little bit of time for me to get into because I think I had almost similar problems with it sometimes she sounded a lot older than the boys when she's supposed to be a high schooler I've had I had a couple of those instances too but she definitely grew into it and the more I kept watching her and her interactions with the boys it was just so cute and adorable, and I loved it. <sighs> As for um, Shinji Mata, I mean Sakaki. Um, <laughs> so here's something funny. You want to know where I've heard Tyler Galindo before? Where? Where? Megan, you're gonna appreciate this. Remember Amnesia? I try not to. <laughs> He's Ken. We drink to forget. He's Ken. He's the good boy in the show. Oh my God! Is he Final Destination? He's 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 the glasses wearing character. Was he the final destination guy that was like in love with was the true route? Or was he the math nerd? The math nerd. Ken's the good boy. He's the math nerd. <laughs> um that's where I've heard Tyler before. Kendo this is not first of all. I don't care who's doing the visuals. I just want that scene where Steph's trying to make me guess. For it to just be that gif of Bakugo in the woods looking around like he has no idea what the fuck it is. <laughs> Tell that to Alamon. <laughs> uh, but anyway. No, Ken, this is not. And holy shit. Like Megan was saying, I wanted to punt this fucker into the sun. So that means you done good, sir. <laughs> like, Sakaki is such a spiteful little shit. And he, he he's he's more stuck in the past than any anyone in the show, including Kakeru. And it's ugh. 
I know you said anti-cockadoo earlier, but it's like... Sokaki is a product of their environment in high school. I feel like is a better way of putting it. He's a product of the... Of, of the coaching and all that stuff in high school. Like, he took his coach's words more to heart compared to Kakeru did. And because of that, Sakaki's a fucking dick. And all he wants to do is to win. And, like, show people up at this point. Like, all that matters is numbers. You ain't gonna do shit. And then, yeah, it's very satisfying in the end when his school does not get a seated spot for next year's Ekiden. So, haha, bitch. Haha, bitch. Fuck off. But no, I, I do like all these performances. It's, uh, but there are a couple that did. I had to grow into a bit more um, throughout the course of the show. So I'll start with uh, with America's Hada. Uh, I thought she sounded like really peppy and energetic, which I uh, which I liked. She sounded very sweet a lot of the time, and I liked a lot of her interactions with the boys. They were a lot of fun. Uh, there were a couple of points where I thought her delivery. It sometimes sound maybe a little uneven or flat, and she didn't always sound like a teenage girl, like you guys were saying. Uh, but but I definitely thought like she grew into it more with time. Time, and I definitely came around to came around to it more towards the end. But like uh, the only other thing I really know her for is Aoi and Jirobako. I liked her a little more there. Uh, but I thought she sounded like fine for the most part. I thought she bounced off the twins, uh, especially pretty well, and she had like a and she had, like, a really good dynamic with them where she could kind of, like, be their sole voice of reason. And I, I did think the whole joke about her having a crush on one of them, only for it to be left ambiguous as to which one it was, was maybe a little lame. I mean, sure, she could probably just have a three-way and that's fine, but, like, I would like to know which one. <laughs> I mean, as Megan said earlier in our chat, she has two hands, one for each Joe. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> She has one hand. <laughs> Hannah is the ultimate chat of the show. She has she has two boyfriends. <laughs> okay, let's be real. The actual romantic winner of this show was Nira the dog. Yes. Oh, yeah. Nira the best dog ever. Bark. The best <laughs> sheeber. Oh, she, she, Andrew from the other room just, just barked. God damn it, Andrew. You're not gay enough for pet play. That's the anime rule. <laughs> Shit! Uh, but uh, yeah, the, moving on. The, uh, it may be the year of the ox, but according to anime, it's the year of the dog. Jesus Christ! <laughs> wink, wink. Okay. Oh wait, no, there is one. Uh, oh what? no! What? I'm thinking about it. It's like spoiler alert. So we've got Adachi from Adachi and Shinomura wanting, going, is it gay to want to be my girl, my, this girl's dog? We've got whatever the fuck is going on with Adam and Tadashi in Skate. <laughs> and then there's Shigure Soma. Oh, Jesus Christ. Ah, this is true. Oh, no. Anyway, stand Nira. She did nothing wrong. Nira's a good, mm. Nira's a good boy. Nira did nothing yeah. wrong. Nira I thought it was a girl. No, because there's another dog, and that's the one who's nursing. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Nira's a boy. I thought Nira was a girl, too. And then I saw the the post-credits of the last episode. I'm like, oh, wait, Nira's ah. a boy. Nira, <laughs> Nira got busy. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry, Jet. Go yeah. ahead. No, that's fine. Those are, those are very cute puppies. They are. Uh, anyway, um, so uh, we've got to James Belter's Tazuki. 
Um, I liked him a lot here. He sounded like a very good kind of tired grandpa. Had like a very nice tone to his voice. I kind of appreciate that he sounded like laid back, where he does kind of like seemingly sound like the you know typical wise old mentor, but he's kind of a little more hands off and just mostly leaves things to hygiene. And so, and so I definitely got like a good little chuckle out of it where like Hygie's taking the team to a training camp and you just hear him mutter to himself like, I'm still supposed to be the coach, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and I definitely appreciated that his tone like got a little more stern like during the actual Ekidad, especially during the whole bit with Shindo mm-hmm. and how after like seeing Shindo like nearly kill himself during his section, how he like made it clear to the rest of the team he didn't want them pushing themselves that hard. I thought he sounded... I thought he had, like, the right amount of concern in that moment, and he came across pretty believably. Josh Morrison as Fujioka. Um, He's had a very uh, serious and confident without coming off as, like, too cocky, which I appreciated. And I definitely liked it, like, I definitely appreciated that he was just incredibly chill for being the other big, quote-unquote, rival character besides Sakati. And I especially liked how he bounced off of Haiji. Like, you can tell by how casual they are around each other that they're, like, really good friends and they have a lot of respect for each other as, as athletes and you know that's really refreshing for a sports show and I, I definitely kind of like this whole dynamic with Kakaru especially during that whole bit where uh, they're talking about what running means to them and how like for Fujioka winning the race is like ultimately less important than winning in his own mind and how like there's more to running for him than just results I thought that was like a pretty good mentality to have and uh, he really just gives you here with someone who's very dedicated to the sport without getting, like, overly competitive. And it really comes across very well in Josh's town. And on the opposite end of that, we have Tyler Glendo Sakaki. And so this guy Sasaki constantly has a chip on his shoulder and acts on ground with everyone, especially Kakaru. And Tyler just sells all that angst really, really well. He has, like, a very good smug tone to his voice that just makes it sound extremely punchable. And uh, Tyler's delivery is sound side pretty much all the time, and especially during the training camp bit where he dismisses the entire team as a bunch of posers. And I definitely wanted to punch him in the face as much as Kakaru did at that moment, so get on you, Tyler. Uh, he also felt very believable in the scene where he tells Kakaru off for his role in what happened to their high school team. And while you can almost sympathize with him here, uh, you admit, it's not hard to realize he's not really all that... He's not really any better than Kakaru, considering he was also pretty much willing to turn a blind coach to turn a blind eye to everything that coach was doing. So, yeah, uh, he's definitely not better. And uh, it was definitely very clear that he was kind of okay with what was happening because he just wanted to maintain status quo. So, uh, can't really blame Kakaru for that. And uh, he really, really, really knew how to dig his heel in during, like, <laughs> during, like, right before the academic, where he was like, oh, well, you know, like, I could, like, where it's like, you know, you, you guys, maybe you guys aren't posers, you've made it this far, but you know, uh, I, I, don't know what, I don't know how you guys are going to do next year, like, there are only 10 of you, and uh, you're probably not going to get seated. <laughs> and then, so like, and then, that tur- and then how that turns around at the end, and he loses, and sweet, I really that the very last- satisfaction. Yeah, and I just appreciate that the very last thing you see of him in the show is just him cracks down in defeat. Good. <laughs> Crying like a baby, fucker. because- Let's just be real. Karma bit him in the ass. Oh yeah, Karma's a bitch, Sakaki. Yeah. Like he reaped, he reaped what he sowed. Yes, pretty much. It's that one tweet. Oh no, it's the consequences of my own action. Oh yeah, 
Accurate. Well, uh, yeah. well, if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, all four of performances were great and uh, definitely really solid. And with that, we can start talking about our main running boys. Yay! So it's time to start talking about some of the members of the Kaze team, uh, specifically yeah. the softer boys. The good, the goodest of boys. Yeah, so we've got Taro and Jirojo, better known as Jota and Joji, Takashi Sugiyama, a.k.a. Shindo, and Musa Kamala. Uh, Jota and Joji are a pair of overly energetic twins who used to play soccer and get easily duped and enjoy the lock with Haji's antics when he says that running neck and end will help them pick up girls. <laughs> They're fucking <laughs> Run for puss puss. They're dumb and it's great. Yeah. Uh, Shindo is a straight-laced honor student who's seen as the most responsible member of the team and kind of helps promote them. And uh, Musa is a transfer student from Tanzania and is very polite and formal. And he's also a very, very good boy. Musa's a, one of the goodest of boys. They're all good Musa boys. Musa is the goodest. Musa is powerful. <laughs> Musa is powerful. Yes. Musa's the ace. Musa, uh, so, I love that Musa's like really uh, good at photography. Like time skip. That's why I said Musa is powerful. Let's be real. He 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 grew up to be the most attractive one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real, everybody. Musa's hot as fuck. <laughs> Those four years did wonders. Ah, uh, yes. And he's gone to grad school, too. Uh, Good school. for him. Okay, uh, so playing Jota, we have Scott Gibbs. For Joji, we have Nathan Wilson. For Shindo, we have Dano Rigojo, and for Musa, we have Jovan Jackson. Uh, Scott Gibbs has played such characters as Sora in No Game No Life, Alex Santibana in Amaruchan, and Una Nobunaga in Nobunaga the Fool. Uh, Nathan Wilson has played such characters as Sonika in How Clumsy You Are, Miss Ueno, Tsutsun uh, in Real Girl, and Eiji Tsukasa in Food Wars. Oh, right. Back, 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 back. Ah! Yeah. And Danny Rigojo has played such characters as Oka in My Teen Romantic Comedy Stafu, Uto Ito in Real Girl, and Riku in Mid Abyss. Lastly, Jovan Jackson has played such characters as Iggy in Blade Runner Blackout 2022, Akira Saito in Haikyuu, and the Pip Daddy Cat Man himself, Deontay in Long Horizon. I'm, so, so, I'm sorry, like I, like, I will never not associate Jovan with his Deontay voice, and it's just, it's so perfect. See, I haven't watched, <laughs> I haven't watched Jet, Long Horizon. Jet, hey, Jet. So. Hey, Jeff, <laughs> would you say that his Nianta voice is perfect? God damn it. Is that? Is I it, guess I would say that. <laughs> is it a meowsing? Fucking hell. Uh, okay, that was too far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Lord. But I don't want to uh, have okay. any cause for concern among you. Okay, God okay, damn it, but Megan. Yes, it very, okay, but yes, it is very, very powerful. <laughs> yes. Ah, yes. Uh, I'll start off with the twins. Um, I'm surprised they didn't get Adam and Scott Gibbs to do that. That would have been hilarious. Been hilarious, but confusing. Um, Which Gibbs is it? I, yes, just yes. Yes. <laughs> no, but the thing is, I really like Scott and, and, and Nathan as these two, where one of the things I really hate about anime sometimes is that they will just cast the same person to play both twins mm -hmm. 
and sometimes it doesn't work because there are different personality quirks in there. And the thing eventually that you find out about the twins is that they are so like one another, but they're so subtle in what they like and they dislike in their tone of voice. And the fact of it is, is that if you turned your head away, you can't tell them apart unless you were listening super close. And that's something I appreciated. I really, really like how dumb and energetic they are, how funny they can be. I love when they they kind of have this part where they're like, well, what's the point in running the Ekidan if we're all going to lose? You lied to us and said we were going to win. Yep. And, and Kakaru goes, so would you quit living if you knew you were going to die? And, and then later they both on, just, and then later on, they Kaku just start making fart noises at each other. Yes! <laughs> Scott gives makes really fun funny. fart noises as a note I wrote down. I'm not joking. Yeah, or when, uh, when they're like, "What if, <laughs> what if Shindo is faking that he has his own girlfriend?" And they put on Musa's mask, and they're like, mm. "And my only thought is, if I was Musa, I'd be like, why the fuck are you touching my shit?" Um. Sino, can I just I, say the fact that Kakinu just... went full Heidi on the twins later on and chased their asses down with a fucking grin Get on his back face. Here. And then and then in the van, the two of them are passed out in the back just dead. And then I think it's Yuki and Nico, they're like, What why are why did you even bother trying to outrun Kakinu of all people, you fucking dumbass? Dumbasses. It was great. <laughs> you fools. You you dumbasses. You, you really think dingus eye. You really think you you're gonna dingus eye, you idiots. Uh, no, but I really enjoyed them, and I think they brought a lot of good comedic acting to this, because, let's face it, the twins are kind of the comedy routine mm -hmm. of a lot of the show, and, God, the part where one of them is like, Hana likes me more, and it fucks them up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, oh my god, you horny dumbasses. Horny jail, both of just, you. Jota, why? Um, why you do that to your Jota, why? But I also really like, I really want to, um commend Nathan's performance when he realizes that Taro is gonna be yeah is it is it jo yeah when he realizes Joji is always going to be better at running than it's him. It's the other way around it's Scott. Okay Scott yeah when Scott realizes that Na that Jer yeah that scene is really really well acted. Uh I want to move on to Musa next. Uh Jovan does a really good job and <sighs> correct me if I'm wrong He's also Neonta Big, right? No, he's not Neonta no, Big. Okay. That, I think that was Kyle Big. Kobe Jones, actually. No, Kyle Kobe Jones is the meowing, not his actual talking voice. Now I have to look at this. Yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen that ever fall the rounds, so I would not know. Give me a minute, yeah. I'll look it up. Ah, never mind. It doesn't anyway. I like that he played he didn't play Musa deeper. I like that he made Musa sound like everybody else. I really love the scenes where like, you kind of come to realize that Musa is very much also the emotional rock for a lot of them because he's so level-headed. And th there's a lot of scenes that are just between him and uh, Kakaru. I think the bathtub scene is one where he, like, catches the moon in his hands, and I thought that was really pretty. I love when he got to play up the more cutesy aspects of him. Uh, I just, I really liked Joven's performance because it sounded so natural. So, like, there are obviously parts where Musa has to act unnatural because he's a foreigner. And, and Musa's character also has to endure racism and xenophobia, in a sense, because 
I think I caught it in the script that one of the people who sees him on the street walking with Kakaru after the team has become, um... After they qualified? Yeah. Like, there's a part where he has to listen to people go, wow, I bet you they brought him over because he's, he's athletic and fast. When, of course, they don't realize, but everybody else knows that he got there because he's smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I I want to catch, ask anybody else if they heard it, when they were doing the qualifying race, mm-hmm. did anybody else catch somebody in the crowd calling all of the African athletes a bunch of monkeys? I didn't catch that, actually. No. I, d- I did not catch that, but it would I might have misheard it, and I've. I can go back and check again. Oh shit! Okay, I I did. But not I catch think that. somebody in the crowd says it very much under their breath. Oh wow! And it wouldn't. It would make a lot of sense because, like, it. I was gonna wait for Jet to bring it up. I know there's a change in the dialogue between the sub and the dub. At huh. least the CR subs and the dub that crunch uh, that since I did. Yeah. Where, when. Uh, Haiji's going over why he picked everybody for the team and he looks at Musa and Musa goes, don't assume that I ca- I'm athletic because I'm black. Mm. Right, Jet? That's what happens? Yeah. That, yeah. that was in the Jet. That was is in that, the subtitles? That, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is that, yeah, it's basically... It's basically a lot of the VIA. There was racist to assume I could wear this because I'm black, right? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, did too. That's certainly where it was like, oh, it was like, oh yeah, Musa. I know you work out a lot. And it was like, it's a weird change, but I can kind of, like, I can maybe kind of understand what Shannon's reasoning might have been if he wanted to be like, okay, like Musa is clearly supposed to be like part of the team here, and he maybe like wanted Musa to kind of like sound the same as everyone else. Like I noticed he didn't have like Joe do an accent right. for him, so yeah, so that's what it might have been like the. That might have been the tone he was maybe going for, and if so, I don't know why Jade does like make sense in that respect. Mm-hmm. I do kind of miss that line, but I think the intent so more let's get to grow assist. Yeah. yeah. That would have been nice to get that line. Side note on the subject you know. of Joven, Megan, you are correct. He is the inner voice of Nyanko Big. Oh yeah, motherfucker. I I was wrong. I was like, because he doesn't sound as like suave and smooth. No, as I that completely voice forgot. It's been a hot minute since I watched Tata. I forgot. I mean, it's been forever since I watched it, too. I just have a stupid memory. Uh, and then I really want to actually praise Daniel Rogojo as Shindo. Mm-hmm. Because I remember when all of us saw that name, our instant thought was one fear. <laughs> because his performance in Made in the Mist wasn't very good. Um, but I actually really like his performance as Shindo. He makes him sound a lot, just because there's like a natural timber into his voice... He sounds different from everybody, but I can understand because apparently he grew up in the mountains as some sort of wild kid. Yes. Kind of. And he sounds like he has like a little bit of an accent from that, but he sounds really youthful. And that makes sense because next to Prince, he's the smallest guy. Right. He's very Like tiny. in terms of body mass, he's very small. Tiny boy. He's tiny boy. But man, Daniel's really good at doing the drunk voice. <laughs> like when he gets drunk, like you can hear him slurring so bad because out of all of them, Shindo's the worst at handling his liquor because he's tiny. Oh yeah, 
He's awful at handling boots. He's awful at it, and he slurs harder than the other guys. So funny. And I love that you can hear that in there, and that's not a touch that I think a lot of people realize would be a thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Granted, that's a touch that I don't think a lot of anime get when they do a lot of alcohol scenes, but whatever. Um, And then, just, oh god, episode 21. Oh my heart. Was so good, and his acting was so good as him sounding hard and ra- ragged about wanting to finish the, the, the part of the Ekiden. And, like, that's the part that almost made me cry, was just him struggle-bussing his way down the mountain. And I feel so bad because they were like, yeah, you were made for this, you little bugger. You're great. And then... He got oh, sick. Man, that. And then he got sick, and he ran it sick. Mm-hmm. And I think one of my other favorite little moments in the series is like Shindo isn't really is good at hiding his emotions so like when he gets broken up with because he puts running before his girlfriend but to me like one of my favorite little vocal moments from from Daniel and from Joven is when Shindo calls Musa and says hey after this do you want to go see the snow oh yeah and he's like you've never cool. seen that way and there's like such an innocence to it and I was just like yeah you two are going to get married. <laughs> and that's the segment. Have a good one. Next person. <laughs> so I'm leaving it there. Done. Okay. All right. Thank you for, for dropping the mic as I'm Megan did, to pick it up. Megan did a mic drop and now Patrick uh, has to follow But that, follow was, that up. was really great. Um, I, I got I to gotta pick it up and make sure all the, you know, because you're not supposed to drop the mic. Gotta make sure the audio is okay. Anyway. Uh, where do I want to start? Where do I want to start? Um, you know what? I'll go ahead and start with the twins. Um, they're great. Um, one thing I like is when, over the course of the series, up until right around their leg of the marathon, uh, the Ekiden, mm-hmm. um, they are very hard to tell apart. and that was actually something I really appreciated because let's be real. They are twins because I'm, I actually not very familiar with Nathan Wilson. Um, they do really sound alike. The fact that it took me a while to be able to separate the two was definitely something that actually, it helped my experience with the show. I also very much like, um, Joven as Musa. Like Megan said, he is the emotional core of the team. Going off on um, on what she said about the, um, uh, it, you know, it's kind of the, the racist line. The scene I like with him, uh, performance-wise, is when he's with um, Kakeru and Fujioka, and you have the two sort of asshole side characters in the market who are just like oh yeah all those schools are getting foreigners into their teams so that they can perform better um kind of implying that that was what um what kansei was trying to do with musa and kakeru was getting pretty upset and you know i should have brought this up when um when i was talking about fujioka but it's just the interaction the three of them had um just basically you know you know it in your heart that that's not true. Yeah. That was actually really good for Josh Morrison. I really like that scene, too. 
you know, it's probably going to be a recurring theme with all of the boys going forward, but um, my favorite moment with Musa was his leg of the Ekiden, um, where he's realizing, oh yeah, I actually love this. Yeah, so precious. <laughs> Musa's a good boy. They're all good boys. Um, also, that the moments with the with the twins in their leg, um, and particularly when they found out um, Hanako has a crush on at least one of them. Um, I Which thought that was really we'll cute. Mm -hmm. um, also, okay, <laughs> and I'm segueing back and forth, but also another thing I really loved with Musa was. Um, was it right before the time skip or during it when he was talking about the fact that he knew which one of the twins Hana liked? He knew that Hana uh, had a crush on... He had a suspicion that Hana had a crush on one of them. But then after the Ekiden, Hana... No, it was almost after the Ekiden. Hana told Musa in secret. And Musa's kept that a secret all this okay. time. Okay. That's what and I mean. he's going to the grave he's with going it. going to the fucking grave with it. So it was the the time skip epilogue where he sort of talked about that, but slyly didn't reveal it. Yes. Okay. Because Moose is a sly little shit and we love him. Now that I think about it, I think that is the scene that I think solidifies Musa as a character and Joven's performance. And Daniel Rogojo as uh, Takashi, or as Shindo. Um, I do like his, his leg of the Ekiden. Ugh, poor little Bean. Um, got himself really sick and decided to run it anyway. Poor, poor Shindo. PSA, poor, don't poor do boy. that, kids. No. Don't, don't do what Shindo did. No. Like, you, you could die, kids. Don't do that. Anyway. Um, yeah, I love when the, I love they're like when Musa defends him. Shindo almost fucking died. Yes, I like the little his little drunken spell. Um, <laughs> like that was, was really cute. And um, yeah, you know what? I think the moment is um, for him was when he was talking with Musa, and he basically asked him, you know, do you want to come see the snow with me? And I'm really kind of bummed because the um, the whole little slideshow for the end credits didn't show something like that. Because that would have been really great. Because these mm -hmm. are good boys and the dub they actors deserve... did good. These these are the goodest boys and they deserve all the good things. Okay. Uh, do you want to go, Steph? Uh, sure. Um, I'll start with the twins as well. So the weird thing is, is I'm more used to Scott Gibbs's tone of voice and some of his performances so <laughs> and not as much of nathan nathan wilson um credit where credit is due like you guys have already said these two sound very very similar and that's the exact point because they are twins um <laughs> those gifts if i had to, to describe it and i i believe you didn't mention this credit when you were introducing him he's so, we're Jota, right? Jota, yeah. So, Scott gives us Jota is a more hyperactive, dumbed-down version of Kageyama from Haikyuu. Because <laughs> Scott also voices Kageyama. Um, but 
oh, these two idiots. They, they are for the for for most intents and pur- for most intents and purposes, they're much of the comedic relief of the show. Like if, if there's a funny moment or a stupid one-liner that will get a chuckle out of you, you can you not like eight out of eight times out of ten, you can go to like the twins for that. Um, and I think Scott and Nathan did very, very well here. <laughs> They're just so much fun. But uh, similar to what has already been said too, I think between the twins though, I really loved Scott as Jota, especially during the Ekiden, because you've already, you guys already brought this up, where he's coming to, where he's coming to terms of like, my twin is the other half of me. That he's like, we're bound, like this is the other half of my soul. But Jota is now starting to come to terms that he can't hold his brother back because they are two different people. And for Joji, this is something he can do. Joji, like, is really actually, believe it or not, dedicated to this a lot more. And he wants to succeed and wants to keep growing compared to Jota, who thinks this is not where he's going to end. Like, he can't stay here. Like, he, he doesn't belong here and he doesn't think he can go to that same limit um as his brother joji can and i think that stretch of the ekiden for scott was really really great and nathan was precious during the ekiden too where he's just like realizing that he actually might have a thing for hana (laughs) it's very weird how it happens so hana goes to cheer on jota during his stretch of the ekiden uh, Jota's like, oh my god, does Hana have a crush on me? And then as he's passing the sash off to Joji, he fucking tells him that he thinks that Hana has a crush on him. So through the course of his fucking stretch, <laughs> to which first of all, Jota, you're an asshole for doing that to your own brother in the middle of a goddamn race. Time and place, buddy. Time, Time and place. place. These two don't know how to read a fucking room. Neither does Kakiru sometimes, but I digress. But um, then you have Joji doing his stretch of the Ekiden, and all throughout the course of it, he's he's thinking, he's like, wait, does she really like him? But then he's thinking back on um, the training camp, too, where he notices that ha- where when Hana's talking about the twins to Joji specifically, because it's just the two of them, Hana just, like, gets flustered and starts, like, blushing all the stuff, and Joji, like, kind of starts realizing that he actually likes her, too. So it's a very weird love triangle situation here. <laughs> but yeah, J- Jota, time and place, buddy. Goddamn. Um, no, but... <laughs> and then the rest, Sorry, the rest of the team's in panic mode during Joji's stretch of the Ekiden. Like, Jota, what the fuck, you dumbass? <laughs> it reminds me of, like, one... One other like good aspect of like James Belcher Sasaki like during that whole segment, yes. where, where, where he has to where he has to like get Jota back in the face. He has to snap <laughs> Joji like, out of like, it. He, then, I think that's the same scene where the guy he's riding with Tazuki is just like, "Don't look at me like that." That's what I had to tell them. Like, he, 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 like, he like, yeah, they told me I had to say. I that. had to say it. No. So, can I point out one of my other favorite moments with the twins? Yes. Is when, uh, in the beginning of the series, where they find out how where King and them all find out, and Yuki all find out that the reason they got into doing the running thing is because they got tricked mm-hmm. and Yuki has wrapped them in their futons and tied them up and yes. then starts beating them. Yes. <laughs> oh, here's another fun one with the twins. So 
almost near the halfway point of the show, Kakadu's being an emotional edgelord motherfucker, and he straight up in front of Haiji tells Prince that if he doesn't get a good time at the next track meet, he has to fucking quit. So of course, yeah. Haiji tells the twins the next. Haiji tells the twins about the next morning while Prince is there for breakfast. And the one thing that Haiji asks of the, twi- the twins, don't worry about it, but and don't say anything. Immediately, the next scene is they're fucking telling. I think it's Yuki and Sh- Yuki Shindo and Musa at fucking lunch. <laughs> and, then the- <laughs> and then they're like, "What else did he tell you? Not, not to worry to about it, but and also not to tell anyone about it." <gasps> <laughs> And in that moment, they knew they fucked up. Yes. <laughs> it was in this moment. He knew he fucked up. Um, no, but the twins are so much fun. And um, But I think, I'm uh, because I'm a bit more used to Scott, um, Scott roles and Scott performances, um, he, he was much more able to, I was able to pick him up a lot more and he kind of stood out to me a bit. But Nathan Wilson, I really, really appreciate. And also, I'm getting more used to Nathan Wilson as well because I am watching Food Wars <laughs> on Tsunami. So... Who is he again? Sukasa, the number one seat. Okay, good. He's not the guy with the glasses. No, 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 no. He's the weird... He's the really good chef, but awkward as fuck. <laughs> I'm behind on it. I just need to... I'm just going to switch to watching it on my DVD. I'm getting him. I got him confused with the one guy that was fixing the food no, wars. No, that's not. That's not Nathan Wilson. No offense, that guy has the worst performance in food wars. That guy also needs to be punted in the sun. But I digress. Um. Anyway, Joven Jackson. I was just thinking this before the Nyanko Big conversation happened. I'm like, I've never talked about Joven Jackson, and I don't recall ever hearing him like things that I normally watch. And then I'm like, oh fuck, Nyanko Big. I'm like, never mind. But no, I really enjoyed Joven as Musa. First of all, I love the... Going back to what Jet was saying early on um, in the directing, I love that the representation is there for... um, Like, the black community representation is there, not just in Musa. But um, I was just looking at this. Orlanders Jones is uh, Iwanki, um, who is another, um, another racer... And one that um, Kakeru faces in one of the track meets. And he ends up in the same lake as Musa during the Ekiden. Um, and I really... Joven is so... Joven is precious. <laughs> this is very different than Nyonko Big, obviously. <laughs> Nyonko Big is a sw- like a suave motherfucking cat. <laughs> but um, no, Musa is just very gentle, very sweet. And like he, 100% he is the heart of this group. He is the heart of this group. He cares deeply and is very passionate. And it really comes through in Joan's performance. Um, and they also don't play... He doesn't play Musa as a foreigner who doesn't know fucking anything either. Which is great. Like, it's not... It's not a tourist. Because you know how sometimes when you have exchange students and stuff like that, they play quote unquote the tourist and they don't tourist and they don't know anything about where they're at. I'm very glad that they did not do this with Musa. Though it is established because I believe in the show Musa's a second year. Um so at least Musa's had some time. <laughs> but Joven is just really good. I love the performance. As much as I really love the the um back and forth he had with um, Daniel Shindo on the phone um, about seeing the snow. I actually really loved, I think it was described briefly, when Joven's basically fucking cursing out 
Sakaki. Right before Sakaki and King do the eighth, yeah, the eighth leg of the Ekiden. And Joven yells at him, he's like, dude, our friend almost fucking died and you're still calling us posers? <laughs> like, the fact that that hit Musa and that really resonated, it was like, oh shit. Musa's one of those characters where it's like, you shouldn't piss him off. He's the sweetest guy, but you shouldn't piss him off because he will let you fucking have it. <laughs> and it came out very, very well, I think, with Joven. Now, with Daniel Rogojo, what's very interesting, and this is going to be true for quite a few performances in this show for me, is there are performances that they had before this show that might not have done very well or might not have sit very well for some people. Daniel is one of those, and it got brought up with me in Abyss, though I might not be as hard on it as some other people possibly could be, but I, it's not the greatest. Um, but Shindo is a precious bean. Shindo is a very precious bean. And Shindo, for all intents and purposes, he was described as the perf like the straight-A student, and he's more of like the logistics kind of guy. Like, he's helping with, like, the paperwork and signing things up. He's helping getting the support association off the ground. He's doing, he's wearing a bunch of little logistical hats. And, like, I, I really love, it ha the performance has, um, shoot, where am I? It adds a bit of a younger but intellectual sound to the group. Um, but some, early on at least, some line reads did come off as a little flat. Um, but it kept growing the more and more he got to go into it. And uh, I am also in agreement, Drunk Shindo is amazing. <laughs> it's so precious. But um, I think, again, the hardest hitting point for Shindo was probably during the Ekiden. Though I think at a close second is, um, it's earlier on during Shindo's couple little episodes. And this is around the point where his girlfriend breaks up with him. And... It's him starting up the website, and Yuki and Kakeru are just chilling with him for a little bit. And they're talking to him about how much of a good, like, like he does so many things, and it's just, like, he, you're amazing, Shindo. And Shindo's just like, I'm not really all that amazing. He kind of, like, casually brushes it off. It, I really liked that scene a lot between the three of them as well. Um... But oh, Shindo is precious. Daniel makes Shindo very precious. And honestly, I really hope I get to hear Daniel in more things um, in the future. Because I'm very interested to see how he will grow as a voice actor, in all honesty. So, uh, so like everyone else, I'll start with the twins. Uh, so, uh, Scott Thieves and Nathan Wilson. Nathan Williams really bounce off each other really well as Jota and Joji. They have some really great chemistry, and like you guys are saying, they sound very interchangeable with each other in a way where the two of them do generally sound like twins, and I appreciated, th I appreciated that. Like, when I was trying to make notes for this show, I tried to have, like, separate notes for them, but, like, their performances were so hard to tell apart. I eventually just had to sit them together because it was too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Accurate. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way around that one. So, so yeah, they have, yeah, they have some really, they have some really good comedic jobs. Like you guys were saying, like that whole bit in the food for the getting beaten the food pod, or like, or when they tell the entire team what happened between Kakaru and Prince when they weren't supposed to. All those scenes were really funny. Yep. 
Because I, uh, I definitely think that, like, one of their really good highlights was, like, guys were saying towards the end, where they kind of expressed how sober, like, the purpose of running into Hockaday when they know they can't really win. And I thought that Scott Nathan did a really good job of kind of getting their doubts across pretty well. It was probably the most serious those two had sounded up until that point, so I thought that was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also liked Scott and Nathan's delivery where they're kind of getting closer to the qualifiers and they kind of, like, take a little more note of how much fun they're having now compared to the beginning, and they sound a little more enthusiastic compared to the beginning, and that was, like, a nice little touch I appreciated. And also, and also kind of like a lot of their interaction with Hada and how, and how, again, Hada is kind of, like, the voice of reason for them. I thought they had, like, a pretty good dynamic. And so, and I kind of like that. I kind of like that whole bit, like before the Ekinen, where where they talk with her about like their whole their doubts about the whole thing, and how they kind of felt like they were getting struck along by hygiene. So, and how, and I thought they did a pretty good job of getting their doubts across. And how, and I kind of like how the response is like, look, it's like, look, you guys can just believe in hygiene. Like he, like he won't do you wrong. I thought that was like, I thought that was a really nice scene. And, I, and uh, definitely the big thing with them was uh, definitely. Uh, their legs in the Ekiden. I thought, I, I thought Scott did a really, I thought Scott did a really good job during, during that whole scene where he just kind of comes to the turns with the fact that Joji might be a better runner than him, and how he just kind of has to accept that the two of them can't always be together forever. I thought he kind of, I thought he kind of got the sovereignty of that across really well. And uh, yeah, on the whole, those two, and those two have a lot of great chemistry. And they're a lot of fun together. Uh, moving on to Joe Bonas Musa. Uh, like, you know, he radiates good boy energy, and he's just a very nice dude, and it's just... And he's just extremely fun to listen to. Uh, he sounds very formal and polite when talking to others, and there are a couple of points where he almost sounds like a little rough or flat, but I think it kind of worked when he took into consideration that Musa's a foreigner, mm-hmm. and this is definitely not his first language that he's speaking. That sort of richness of his tone occasionally actually kind of works. And especially with some of the, like, occasionally overly literal dialogue he's given. Because, again, like, this isn't his first language, so it makes sense that he might not, you know, be dropping slang or something like that. So, yeah, so I think that works with, like, a good touch if that was intentional. But I also appreciate, like, you know, like you guys were saying during that whole theme where, like, how we're, you know, they're doing with those couple of jerky onlookers who say, oh, he's a foreigner, so of course they're using him. And I kind of appreciated, like, Jovan's call for delivery when he's just kind of brushing that off. And I, and, I, and, I, and I thought that whole scene felt pretty real, but I, though I also kind of wish he let Kakaru tell those guys off. So, and, uh, like you guys were also saying, I really dug his uh, whole bit during the Ekaden, where uh, Musa's kind of talking about his own motivations about running and how, but he isn't really sure if there's an answer to what it means to run, but, like, he's just doing what he can do and how he's kind of Kind of appreciate it in its own way, and I thought that Jobot got those feelings across pretty well. And uh, another big highlight for me was definitely him telling off Sakagi that when Sakagi still continues to call the posers even after Shindo nearly killed himself. And Moose is a very nice guy, so the fact mm-hmm. that even he got angry about that just really shows how much of a lot Sakagi crossed there, and Jobot got that across really well. Again, Musa is a very sweet, gentle soul, but if you piss mm-hmm. him off, you're gonna know it. <laughs> And then lastly, Danuri Gojo as Shindo. Uh, so like we were saying before, uh, he was Riku in Midnabiss. And to say I did not like his performance there would be an understatement. 
Like, uh, this liked it so much, I was honestly kind of convinced I didn't really want to hear anything ever again. Uh, so to say that the performance here is a 180 is really, really, really saying something. Like, he sounds very, he sounds very polite and soft in all his interactions with other characters. And as I, and, um, and I appreciate the dynamic he has with a lot of characters, like, his conversation with King about how he, about why he decided to get enthusiastic about running and how, like, he felt like how he wasn't sure, how he wasn't sure how he felt about it at first, but he thought, like, okay, like, if I decide to, like, willingly go along with this instead of, like, going with the flow, I might get a better idea of what's so great about writing and how he does this kind of kind of appreciated in his, in his own way. I thought Daniel got that across pretty well. And he did a really good job of just always kind of sounding like the most level-headed and enthusiastic member of the team. Uh, definitely, like, his delivery, like, in those middle episodes, like, either he's, like, broken up with his girlfriend. And we're gonna know he's been maybe pretty, pushing himself a little too hard. And then it makes it clear that Shin, that Shin is a little strained, but he still kind of puts on that mask of enthusiasm really well. And I thought uh, Daniel did a really good job of portraying that. And uh, definitely big highlight was during his section of the Hakane where Shindo is running with his miracle. And that boy was literally on the verge of killing himself to get to the finish line. And Daniel's delivery just really showed, sold every ounce of pain and strain that poor boy was in. And you could just really, really feel how much Shindo was training himself at that moment. And it really made that sequence heartbreaking. So that, so Daniel's performance was a real knockout there and it was uh, and it was definitely the moment that really 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 sold me on him so so yeah i was not really a fan of his recruit made the best but he was fantastic here so yeah i definitely do want to hear a bit more things now and uh with that we can move on to our next set of characters we talked about some good boys so now it's time to talk about some grumpy boys <laughs> They're still good boys, but they're good boys. They're just a little grumpy. Just a little grumpy. They're they're grumps, but we love them. Uh, so we have uh, Yuki Yukiko Iwakura, aka Yuki, uh, Akiro Hirata, better known as Miko Senpai, Yohei Sakaguchi, aka King, and Akane Kasiwazaki, aka Prince. Uh, Yuki is a law student and the one most vocally against being a part of the team at the beginning of the show. Uh, Nico Senpai is the oldest member of the team, and he used to be a runner in high school. Uh, King is obsessed with quiz shows, and is desperate to get a job after college, so he's not very happy about getting roped into high J's antics. And Prince... Prince is basically just a pacey nerd who didn't really ask for any of this. But High needed is a tough person, so he just kind of got dragged along for the ride, and he's basically the best character. <laughs> You're a worm, body! Get over here! <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, Kaiji, oh, I want to make break the news to you first, Prince. Break the news about what? Well, I mean, if, if you're not going to join the team, you're going to have the most ground to cover when you have to move out of the dorms with all of your manga. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Everyone says Prince is like the best character in the series, but you'll actually be surprised who my favorite character is. Yeah. But anyway, playing, playing Yuki, we have Benjamin McLaughlin. Uh, for Nika Senpai, we have Tai Mahaney. Uh, for King, we have Andrew Love. And for Prince, we have Mike Haimoto. Uh, Benjamin McLaughlin has played such characters as Masahiro Saki in Ahiro no Sora, Hermes in Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon, and Tim Robinson from Peter Grill in a Philosopher's Time. Uh, Tai Mahaney has played such characters as Gendojima in Food Wars, 
Johibiki and Gatsman Crowds, and Tokemaru Tatsumi and Saint Seiya. Uh, Andrew Love has played such characters as Fujimaki and Angel Beats, Hugh and Kiba, and Takeo Gona and My Love Story. Lastly, Mike Haimoto has played such characters as Miranda Ayame and Blade, Blade of the Immortal, Crystal Saint and Saint Seiya, and Bonri Tana and Golden Time. Bonri! Tana Bonri! So I'm going to save my favorite character for the section for last. Uh, I'll start with uh, Andrew Love is King. Man, fucking King's story in his episode where he's running the race fucking got me right in the heart. Mm, yeah. And Andrew played that with such like an honest conviction where he's like, I'm the one who fucked up not making my, of by putting my own expectations on myself right. and not living up to them. And you could just tell he he just sounded exhausted, but he finally realized what was going to make him a better person. Mm -hmm. In that he finally found the thing that would let him have something to give himself an identity, and I think he did he did a good job sounding like a grumpy thirty something who loves quiz shows, and he's kind of like one of the angry uncles of the team. Yes. And Andrew was a, a, a perfect love fit right from the, the second that King started up. Where, like, you would believe that this is a guy who's been here for a couple years and struggling to find a job. Ty Mahaney as Nico. Uh, perfect fit. He was Nico from the second that the show started. There is this, like, sense of, yeah, this is like a 30-year-old guy that you talk to in everyday life. Uh, I just can't believe that in under a year they got a guy who smokes that hard to run a race that he far. He basically chain smoked. God he's damn anime and your unrealistic expectations. He's borderlines a chain smoker in the beginning of the damn show, for God's yeah. sake. Yeah. Damn you, anime and your, un your unreasonable explanation for men's bodies. Yeah. Um, but man, I love, I love his part in the race where he's like, I feel clean. Yes. And he just like, you realize in that moment, he's like, holy fuck, this guy just got his life back on mm -hmm. track. And I love that I I kind of enjoy that a series went as far as to give a male character a body image issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, and that it handled it really, really well. Because the reason that Nico's life kind of starts uh, spiraling out of control is that someone tells him he doesn't look right or isn't built right for, for being a long distance yeah. runner. It's not that he's bad at it. It's just like, it's like one of those things like you don't think it's hurtful to say in the moment, but it's like one of those little things could absolutely tick that off. And I really love Ty's kind of performance in B in that it is just so natural. Mm -hmm. Like he sounds like a believable person that would talk to you in his acting as, as Nico. And I love one of the moments of comedy where uh, some he's just like... Man, this isn't small. This it's not that the outfit's small; it's that I'm too big. Yeah. When yeah. he has to put on the the little running the little running outfit, yeah, the and time, then yeah. it's like, yeah, and then somebody thought I was the coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I can't help it, and I I think one of my other really fam like favorite deliveries is is him. I uh, one of my other two favorite deliveries of him is when the coach is like nicotine. And he's like, God, don't yell at me like that. It makes you makes me sound like an addict. <laughs> <laughs> I quit smoking. And I want to say that I want to say at one point, Cockroach does something and Ty's delivery is that's bullshit. Yeah. 
But I, it's like, I think he's like, that's bullshit and you know it. Uh, and then Prince. Oh, Prince. You pathetic little fucker. That's fine. We love him. I really love Mike Kaimoto's performance of it. He is one of another, like, natural, like, the second Prince walked on the screen, you knew he was meant for this role. And it's not that Prince is 100% pathetic. It's that he knows himself better than anybody yes. else. And he just doesn't want to fucking deal with life. So he, and I like that he uses anime and manga to, he uses manga to try to get to relate to people. And I kind of like how him and Kakaru, like, if you pay attention, become friends because he starts sharing manga with Kakaru. Yes. I love uh, that. That was good. I love when he's just like, <laughs> I love at the very end, I'm not running anymore. Why are you still wanting to run? <laughs> Uh, just, <laughs> Mike's performance is just top-notch. It's funny, it's sweet, it's just... But let me talk about my actual favorite character, and it's Yuki. Yay! Um, I love Yuki, too. I love Benjamin Golovkin's performance of a guy who's in a game of chicken with another man. <laughs> okay, have you ever seen that, that Tumblr post, that Reddit post, about the two guys who played gay chicken with each other... <laughs> And now they're married and have a daughter and neither one wants to admit that they're enjoying it. <laughs> that's, that's Yuki and Nico. Yes. They're in a game of chicken where neither one of them wants to actually run the Ekiden. They're just humoring Kakiru. But by the end of it, they're running the Ekiden and finding out that it's better for them in the long right. run. It's so funny. Because Benjamin's Beautiful. performance... Benjamin's <laughs> performance to me is... Not only it's a guy who is prideful and smug, mm -hmm. but he's not a hundred percent an asshole. Right. Like he's dealing he's trying to cope with his own insecurities in the not the best way. And you only kind of realize and he realizes that he's wrong about how he treated his mom mm -hmm. until he's in that race and he's running downhill and he's like, Oh my god, I fucked up. And by the end of it, his feet are bleeding. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I love that it's like you almost had it by two seconds. And you realize that those two seconds he hesitated is when he saw them. But it was better for him to have lost in that moment than win knowing that he would be wrong about his mom forever. Mm -hmm. And God, I love Benjamin's performance. It's just so much like... It's just a lot of fun to see a guy who I frankly don't really know a lot of his work. Uh, so yeah, big props to Ben in his performance. Okay, uh, Patrick. I I think I will actually start with um, Yuki and Nico um, because over the course of probably about the first half of the series, um, to me the characters felt tied at the hip, particularly before. Before Nico decided to quit smoking, and the dynamic was they were roommates. That's who that is! Sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, is that they were roommates in the dorm, and Nico liked to smoke. Yuki hated the smell of the smoke, and berated him for it. Um, I, I thought that was a really great dynamic between the two. And then he quit smoking, and he started doing the, the little wire figurines... Yeah. Um, to keep his hands busy. And also putting his cigarettes in Shibari. <laughs> to which, that was a fun moment. <laughs> We're fucking, fucking Prince. He's like, wait, hold on. And then 
and then they're starting to scream and yell and everything, and in comes you, and he's like, will you shut the hell up? And Nico's only response, don't you come in here, too! <laughs> Sorry, it was good. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> like Megan, the both of their moments for me were their individual legs in the race. Um, Yuki, in the moment, he hesitated and flashed back to when he treated his mom like shit, and then realized, mm. oh, she actually showed up to the race to cheer me on. And I didn't actually put two and two together about the fact that he was two seconds slow, and that was the moment he hesitated uh, until now. I also that... think that she showed up at the qualifying race, too. I don't think we saw her at the qualifying race. No, you, you see someone in a black outfit and an umbrella, and I think that's his parents. Huh. Maybe. I didn't notice that, actually. And then, um... Nico's speech toward the end of his leg of the race where it's just like yeah i think this is it for me but i'm glad i'm absolutely 100 percent glad that i i'm here in this moment to experience mm -hmm. this yeah because like megan said um the whole thing goes back to sort of the flashback when he was a long distance runner in high school and they basically told him not that he it wasn't that he was bad at it um, they just thought he had the wrong body type, and it fucked him up. Yeah, he at that point, um, Nico had kind of hit a wall, and he couldn't really improve much more, and eventually, like, physique would take a factor into that, so. Right. I think that's what it was. I love that that was immediately segued with him first moving into the dorm, and you think for a second, oh, oh god, he's smoking in high school. Uh, no, it's him moving into the into the dorm, and um, and Tazuki's just like, you're not a child. You can smoke as much as you want. That little moment, it wasn't a great thing for the character, but it was just sort of this this great little setup for how he basically set himself up to self-destruct. Prince is great. The thing I love about um Mike's performance as him the most is um sort of in that early stage where he didn't know jack shit about running <laughs> and he was just sort of like zombie crawling yeah. um just the absolute breathing the whole bit about the butterfly early on yeah Yes. Like, before they figured out, oh, we can use um, how he reads manga when he runs on the treadmill in order to yeah. get him to get the correct posture. Oh, yeah. But it's just that exasperated, ah, 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 you told me this would be fun! <laughs> <laughs> yup. Oh, uh, it, it's great. And then, again, coming back around to the Yaki Den. Um, where he's actually had the opportunity to grow and develop, not just as a runner, but a person. And you see, and you hear him reflect on that in sort of the, uh, like the internal monologuing. And it's just, you've seen how much he's grown. Mm -hmm. And I think it's absolutely great when, um, like in that moment, he just quotes a bunch of manga. And then you just see the little translator note in the top <laughs> left hand corner. Yep. Oh, this is from Yoomushi Pedal. Oh, this is from Hajime no Ippo. 
This is from, you know, such and such. This is from a popular manga. Sports manga, yep. Listen, yeah, I think it was Hajime Weepo, Captain Tsubasa. I think they made a reference IQ. They made a they um, reference a lot, reference. and I they definitely do. They, I, they definitely referenced uh, Hajime no Weepo, and uh, and uh, I know uh, uh so, yeah, they did reference Ashita no Joe, too, yeah. which is really great because every Megalobox fan in the room just went <laughs> timing too, considering no bad so. And, Megalobox, uh, a very good sports anime. Probably number one right now. <laughs> and, like, the like the one I really like is he actually name-drops Hinata, and this is basically very similar staff who worked on Haikyuu. Yeah. It's Haikyuu, but for adults. Mm-hmm. Um, More or less. But I think, for me, um, the character of this group that I like the most ended up being King. He is a big, dopey curmudgeon. Um, he doesn't want to be there. He blows off training a lot. His ending monologue in the Ekiden, where he's just like, "Oh yeah, I um, I built walls around people around myself to protect myself from other people. Um, I really fucked up about that. You know, I shouldn't have." put up all these expectations that I knew I wouldn't be able to keep up with. Uh, but this, you know, the realization that through running, he's figured all this out and he's found friends and all of this, you know? Like, I ended up really kind of identifying with that. Because I, like, in my misspent 20s, I, I was just kind of an asshole who put up walls and like wouldn't let anybody approach me and then you know the show came along I learned a lot of things and you know here I am Hardy said you look like a cool dude get in the van get in the van we're going on an adventure bitch and now here we are (laughs) get in the van we're going podcasting And then I got in the van several times. <laughs> Hardy almost turned uh, Heidi. I can't Hardy. I can't say it was Heidi, but you know. <laughs> oh, he did eventually get me in here, and here I am talking about Run with the Wind. Yep. Um, but in all seriousness, like I, I, <laughs> pardon the pun here. It is absolutely intended, though. I absolutely love Andrew Lovin's stuff. He, he just has this really nice, big, burly voice that lends itself well to sort of curmudgeonly personalities, like, and the big, gentle, older brother types, like with, um, Takagi-san. No, Taka- no not Takagi-san. Um, uh, ow, my light's off. Um, Tanaka-kun. Think- there we go. Oh yeah, Tanaka. Yeah, oh yeah. He he's like a vocal chameleon, and it, it's it's great. I love hearing him in things, and I hope to hear him in more things to come. So, honestly, I really love this group. Um, a lot of very strong personalities, strong characters, um, and the English performances are able to hold up to that. So, absolute thumbs up here. 
Cool. Uh, Steph? I'm going to kind of piggyback off of Patrick, because I'm actually going to start with King. Um, Andrew... <laughs> Andrew Love is a delight. I always find Andrew Love to be a delight in anything he's in. Like, I usually have zero complaints. Um, and the same can be said here about King. Like, I have a note. He, he, <laughs> King has such a fun presence. Like, King can sometimes borderline the old man who yells at clouds on occasion, if that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> he's very curmudgeon and just like uh. and Andrew brings that out very very well and I really enjoy it but like everybody's been saying King has a lot of insecurities and Andrew brings them up very well early on there's the whole thing about like the job hunt and all this fun stuff cause listen everybody has been there we've all been there everybody will be at in King's position at some point in time we're trying to find a job sucks. It still sucks for me right now. Um, <laughs> but, um, no, like, that part came out very well, but I, 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 it's like, obviously this was on purpose. Every single one of, every single member of Kansei has their own little arc, like, little mini arc or, like, self-inner reflection during their stage of the Ekiden. And I think King's was just so well done because... Honestly, I didn't really realize that essentially King King's outward per, outward persona is not how he is internally. I actually didn't really notice that. And the fact that Andrew was able to portray that very very well and keep the outward persona up and keep the inner thoughts like intact until that very moment. Kudos to Andrew to that one. Um <laughs> in terms of performances Mike Haimoto as Prince is the most dynamic of the ten boys, I would say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because Prince has to go all over the fucking place. Like, Prince has to be... Prince can be quiet and subtle and just kind of nonchalant and not give a shit about things. Um, Prince can be just very philosophical at times, weirdly enough, but it works. And then Prince can just have the fun, funnest of screams in the whole goddamn universe, and Mike just nails all those. <laughs> like, oh no! It's great. Um, I would say, yeah, Mike, in terms of the cast, has the most dynamic performance of the show because Prince can be all over the place, and I, it works very well. And I... <laughs> Prince's whole thing in the early parts of the show are about the halfway point where essentially Kakeru kind of helps take over coaching um, with Prince after Haiji is a dumbass and tires himself out because um, he works too hard because Haiji's an idiot sometimes. Um, and Kakeru is just like... <laughs> no, not Kakeru. When, Ka when, when Kakeru takes over as coach of the, for the day and he's following, he's running behind Prince to follow him to make sure he doesn't like slack off and he's trying to talk to him and prince is just like well how about you talk at my pace and kakiru is confused at first but then like once he once he the whole thing with realizing wait let's turn how you read your manga on the treadmill into how you actually run and kakiru's like is this it's like 
Is this is this go good for your own pace? And then Prince is like, you know what? Okay. <laughs> and like Prince has to overcome a lot because he would be doing he would rather be doing anything else but this. Um, so again, probably the most dynamic performance, and Mike, I think, nails it very, very well. Ty Mahaney as Nico is so casual, it's so natural. It's like Megan said, I fully believed Ty as Nico from the get-go. And it works very, very well. And at the same time, Nico's stories, story throughout the course of the show too, is probably like one of the more, uh, more, more like, not traumatizing. No, that's not the word. More um, realistic. Realistic, but also one of the more co complex. That's one. Of, well, I can't even think of some words. It's one of the more complex character arcs that he has compared to some of the other characters in this show. Um, and I, I really enjoy the fact that not only this anime, but with Ty's performance, they talk about, like, the, the, the subject of men and how they see themselves and, like, from a physical standpoint um, and their body and, like, body image and all that stuff. Honestly, like, this is a really good portrayal of that and I really wish there were more shows that would take it like take that as well and give like a really good meaningful realistic story to it because Ty's portrayal with those moments is just so like can be impactful it's like holy shit <laughs> um but no I think it's for Ty it's one of the more natural sounding performances and it's like I would be friends with this dude <laughs> I'd be friends with this guy let's go but, I have got to say, I really, really enjoyed Benjamin McLaughlin as Yuki a lot. He, this is one of my favorite performances, honestly. I have a handful, but this is one of my favorites. And weirdly enough, this is another one similar to Daniel Rogojo, where I think he improved a lot as an actor. Because the first time I had heard Br Benjamin McLaughlin, I want to say Brandon for some fucking reason. No, his name is Benjamin. Was um, as Kojiro Shino Shinomiya in Food Wars. <laughs> That's why I said something when Patrick said something. I was like, he's that he's, guy! He's that guy. That guy. Yeah, so and with season one where... Um, Kojiro is introduced it's not that great he's grown a lot more in the seasons and I'm actually really enjoying him in the moments he's popping up now um in Food Wars but like Yuki's character <laughs> first of all he's a goddamn he, he's in school to be a lawyer so he has that air and that presence of like like not stuck up but like he knows what he's fucking talking about and He's also very much a numbers and a, he's very much a numbers and a statistical kind of guy too. And that really gets pulled in more towards the end of the show as well. And then you have what, what, what I'm a little bit sad about with Yugi's character in general is that while some of his development is there um, in terms of story wise, he doesn't exactly get a lot of like huge character development until like the latter half of the show and it's kind of almost at the last minute which sucks but um at the same time like <laughs> fucking benjamin is just like in the beginning done with this horse shit <laughs> he's done with this horse shit he does not want anything to do with this 
And yet, here he is, by the end of the show, like, he's really getting into it. And he, like, during his course of the- his stretch of the Ekiden, he, like, uh, of quite a few of the characters in the show, um, like, like, Nico, like, um, Jota, like, um, god, who was another one? Probably Kang, actually. We're just like, I can't, I'm not, I, I don't think I can, I'm cut out for this. I, I think I should just stop. Um, this is, this is just something that I can't keep going. And then there's that spark of inspiration. And in Yuki's case, it's his family. Because he doesn't really have attachments to other people all that much. So having that little moment, which is really, really sweet, honestly. But, <laughs> like, this is, this is a 180 again for me and how I feel about Benjamin McLaughlin. And I'm just like, I also want more. <laughs> like, I love Yuki as a character. He, he's, he's a little shitlord sometimes, but, like, he means well. Yuki means well. But, um, no, all these performances, I enjoyed them. So, yeah, I'm actually going to start with Yuki. Uh, so, yeah, I really enjoyed Benjamin McLaughlin's performance. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed how, like, constantly cranky and annoyed he sounds with this whole situation. And definitely the most out of the whole group. Uh, he, I, I like how Ben, how Ben, how Ben in his tone, he does his best to kind of try to sound like the adult in the room. When it comes to all of Haiji's antics, when he just fails miserably at every opportunity because Haiji just keeps outsmarting everyone. This was, this was it's just where, like, everyone just got to cover up the team. He's like, oh, man, we're almost, like, we look like an actual fucking field club now. <laughs> it's like, when did this happen? <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, you're making it sound like we're a track and field club. Well, aren't we? <laughs> we are, aren't we? I'm... <laughs> I'm not in a track and field club, he says, as he does a sexy calendar sheet for the track and field club. <laughs> <laughs> that would be him. Nico and I aren't in, aren't in love, he says, as he slips the wedding ring on Nico's Fuck. finger. Oh, <gasps> <gasps> uh, no. Yuki 100% gets into uh, it by the end of it. It's great. Well, I mean, he yeah. ran so fast his feet fled. Yeah. Like, in terms of, yeah. like, injuries and people getting, like, shit happened to him. Like, Yuki is second to Shindo of shit happening to him that in that race. Jesus Christ. And yeah, I definitely like that while it takes him a long time to come around to things, uh, you can tell that he definitely does want to look out for the others in his own way. And uh, in a sense, Yuki is kind of like basically the team Bob and Benjamin gets that across really well while still kind of retaining a lot of Yuki's crankiness. Mm -hmm. uh, and I definitely kind of liked how sober his delivery was when he opened up to Kakuru about how he felt about his whole relationship with his parents and seeing his mom getting remarried and... Like, and when we see that flashback during the Ekiden, you can tell Yuki wasn't really sure how to react to that whole situation just from the way Benjamin was grunting. I thought he got that across really well. And, so like, and then, like, that whole bit during his look at the Ekiden where he was just kind of, like, partly resigning to himself that he's come around to running more than he thought he would, but he's not as maybe as talented as necessarily Takaru is, and he just kind of... It kind of accepts that he might not really be able to compete with him, and, like, that's fine. So like, and then, of course, that whole thing with him seeing his mom, not his mom and his family during the accident and how that kind of, how that kind of distracted him for a couple of seconds and made him fall short of the section time, which I actually didn't notice that's why he, 
That's what it does. That's why he fell short until he died. But it didn't happen. That is a really neat little touch. Like, I don't know if we did appreciate like Benjamin's delivery during that whole line where <laughs> that where he got to the end of the race and he realized he lost by two seconds and he just says the two seconds I'd never be able to make up for in a lifetime and I thought he just got that across. Really yeah, well. it was so good. I loved it. And we've gone to Andrew Lummis King. Uh, he had a really good balance between Sadoak and Dork and being like understandably mad about how he kind of interfered with his life next to his antics. Mm -hmm. And Andrew got that across pretty well. It just said it sounded like a very grumpy commotion, which is Andrew Love is always very good at that sort of thing. And he has some pretty good comedic chops, so I'm glad he was able to put that to work here. Uh, he really did a great job of showing all of King's anxiety over his job search, which is. Uh, Definitely something I can relate to, as I definitely went through something similar, like right after I graduated from college, and I had trouble finding a job for a few months, so I can definitely that whole anxiety quite a bit. Uh, really dug his his delivery during King's section of the Yankee Den, where he's just kind of like, thinking into all his insecurities about how he wants to have like a really social college life, and kind of ended up spending a lot of time alone, and how... He pretends to be Landor to kind of hide how constantly lonely he feels and how afraid he is to open up to others. Uh, I can never relate to a lot of those feelings because I kind of had a very similar experience while I was in college and I'm so kind of like that now a lot of a lot of the time, unfortunately. So I can uh, I can definitely relate to the way King feels sometimes, and I really liked how Andrew Zilberry just made that whole sequence come off really believable and definitely. And I definitely, and I definitely like had that character the sense of relief he felt when he kind of like found his place in the world, like running with the team, and finally felt like he belonged somewhere for the first time. And I thought Andrew did a really good job getting that across really well, and like the complexity of the whole situation. Well, it was just a really good performance. Uh, moving on to time, Mahaney and Zika Senpai. Uh, like you guys are saying, he definitely sounded like the most laid back and casual of the whole group. And I definitely appreciate how Ty just makes him come off as kind of a middle-aged guy, despite, you know, technically being a college kid. Like I said, again, it's like, so again, it's like, did he teach one? Hey, Maui Day. This is not a high school room, but like, okay. <laughs> but all right, we'll believe you, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, like, next we should know, he just kind of comes off as the one who just kind of going with the flow of the most when it comes to Hydra's antics. And you can tell through Ty's tone that Maldito seems a little casual about the idea of running. He's definitely a little more passionate about it than he lets on. And he does a really great job of bouncing off of Benjamin Yuki. And I like how chill... I like how chill he is compared to how Yuki just ties drunk about everything constantly and they have some great chemistry. And I definitely like his bit during the Ekinid where like, he sounded really excited while he was running. And how that contrasted how jaded he sounded during the flashbacks where he was told he'd never be a good runner thanks to his body mm -hmm. type. And how he just kind of like regressed himself into giving up on running until he finally met Haiji. So, and I thought that Ty did a really good job of just like showing that contrast and doing really well. And then uh, you can definitely tell through Ty's delivery during Nico's section of the Ekadem just how much running means to him despite how not to what Nico does to be about it most of the time. And, time, and again, a uh, really solid performance there. And then lastly, uh, my Kaimoto was Prince. Uh, he did a really great job of just kind of sounding like a very pasty nerd, but without being overly annoying. And he definitely plays a very good butt bucky. And there's, and there's a lot of really, yeah, and there's a lot of really solid jokes in his defense without, like, getting, without ever feeling mean-spirited. I definitely like a lot of the jokes with his shirts where... 
<laughs> that word is just constantly masks his expression. Especially like, especially like when he has to run the first time and he needs to see the shirt that says why. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I lose my garbage every time I see that shirt. <laughs> oh yeah, I never. I love the shirt. That I he, never noticed. There's that. just one. I love the shirt that just says why. No, no, no. Yeah, like because I originally <laughs> watched the first half to try and at least get like some of it in me for like W qualifications and stuff like that. I didn't have the subtitles on for, like, texts and signs and stuff, so when I did it for this rewatch, I'm like, oh my god, that is funny and clever, and I fucking love it. <laughs> like, I remember the there was one show shirt, he was like, there's the Y one, but he, there was one who was just like, ah, <laughs> it was great! <laughs> like, oh my god, this is amazing! And another one late was just, just bean sprout. <laughs> I'm like, this is great. I love it. Uh, so yeah, he plays a really good puppy, and he also he also has like quite a bit of sour to him, which I appreciated. Mm -hmm. uh, I definitely liked his. I definitely liked his delivery. Like at the very beginning of the show, where they went to Sakaki for the first time, and, so, and how like everyone, and how like everyone else isn't like sure how to react to Sakaki, like calling him a bunch of posers, but he, but somehow he's the one who calls out. Talking for yeah. being stuck and how, and how like yeah they might be a ragtag team but they all like acknowledge each other that's something Takagi can't do. And I definitely uh, my delivery there was really. They great. also didn't they acknowledge? I think it was later on because Prince is the one who starts off the Ekiden, um, and the reasoning for that was wasn't that because he Prince would just ignore all like the pressures and stuff like that at the start, like with all the cameras and shit, like. Yeah. So it's Prince doesn't Prince just doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> like really, it's great. Yeah, I also thought he had some really great chemistry with Kakaru mm -hmm. and how they're just kind of at odds with each other for a while. I also appreciate that, like while that while Prince is kind of again a pacey nerd a lot of the time, that like Kakaru was like the only Kakaru like the only person Prince will ever actively start to, mm -hmm. and I liked how Mike's tone generally reflects that really well. And I also really liked the episode where two of them finally started bonding. Kind of like Mike's delivery, where he told Kakaru to like start looking at things from his pace and got yeah. Kakaru to finally take him a little more seriously. I thought Mike got that across really well. Well, uh, Prince never gets like super passionate about running, and you can definitely tell that he's at least kind of gained a begrudging respect for it, and uh, definitely how much energy it takes. And uh, Mike's tone for the giving getting in the show compared to. How it sounds at the end definitely gets that across really well, and it's a very, very well-rounded performance, and like probably my personal favorite. And with that, it is finally time to move on to our final character of the evening, our two main protagonists. One of which is Satan himself, but it's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we love him. Uh, so we have, yeah. So we have Kakaru Kurahara and Haiji Kiyosei. Uh, Kakaru is a former high school track star who ended up running away from the sport after punching out his high school coach for being abusive until he meets Haiji, who convinces him to join the team. Uh, Haiji Adirhanen is the captain and de facto coach of the Kansei team, who dedicated his entire life to track and field thanks to his dad, but after getting a leg injury, uh, he started wondering what it really meant to run and wanted to form a team to participate in the Hakane Ekane Marathon. And again, effectively trick nine suckers into going along with his antics. <laughs> <laughs> again, Haiji is 
borderline literal Satan, but we love him. He's only a little bit of a psychopath, and that's okay. What? The <laughs> bath like is What? The bath is It's broken? not like he's gonna murder anybody. Oh my god. Fantasy will very politely but firmly blackmail you to do it. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> Uh, uh, so anyway, playing Kakaru, we have Gabriel Gojo, and for Haiji, we have Blake Jackson. Now, Gabriel Gojo has played such characters as Kufa Vampire and Assassin's Pride, Leon Kuzan, Moon of Alternative Eclipse, Takeshi Nanase, and Magical Warfare, and of course, just to hurt Seth and Megan, Alba and Dramatic uh, I knew it was coming. Thank you for my reminder. Cause I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like here snickering about the whole the fucking name Kufa Vampire. <laughs> Shit! I swear to God, I'm very surprised none of you Patreons have forced us to watch that yet. Please don't say that. That someone will. We do have Josh. Listen, listen, the Patreon. Listen, the Patreon raffle is just around the corner again. So don't even start. Don't Josh, you know things. what to do. You realize you're gonna be stuck doing it if that happens. Josh, you know what to do, buddy. You're you're fuck your ass is fucking watching it, Megan. Listen, he I can tempt fate all I want. Fate hasn't bitten me in the ass yet. <laughs> yet. Yet she says. Also, let's be real, we can and just fate, club it, no one in the back of the head and throw him in the cage. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> I want that clipped. If we if we end up getting Assassin's Pride, oh man, I was gonna go to Taco Bell, but sure, I'll take chicken wings <laughs> instead. That's mine. <laughs> I want chicken wings. Damn, where's my chicken wings? There's only three of them. I'm still gonna be hungry. Oh, uh, anyway, uh, Blake Jackson, on the other hand, has played such characters as uh, Chikinuma Marame from Akira's Saw Connection. Izumi Norito from Omen and Zinder's Habit Season, Andromeda Shun from Saint Seiya, and the new voice of Baki Hanma for the Sentai dub of Baki. Wow. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I can go for it again, Megan. Yeah, let me shove some chicken sacks in my mouth. <laughs> Where's my chicken? Oh, rude. Excuse me. I was gonna say, before my mom came in and gave me chicken, um, that if if we get Assassin's Pride and it wins in the Patreon poll, you are free to clip fate. And if I ever do another episode, uh, okay, I'm going to say okay. this. If I ever record an episode where I sound like I'm in audible pain because of the show I'm watching, all of our editors are freely allowed to clip the fate has never bit me in the ass before moment <laughs> and somehow interject it into the episode. Oh, yes. Oh yes, that's a note for later. It's free real that's estate. That's a note for later. Um, that's free real estate. Um, so let me start with uh Daniel Gabriel, right? The other the one. The other Rogojo. Um, the other one. There's two. Oh my god, there's yeah. two of them. As Kakadu. So one of my biggest fears going into the show was, and no offense to Scott Gibbs, um. Was that they were going to cast Scott Gibbs as Kakaru because he literally looks like Kageyama. <laughs> Not um, wrong. So, Daniel Gabe's Fuck! Um, Gabriel does a really good job getting Kakaru across. And one of the things that I like about him is that as much as people will probably complain that it sounds stilted, it works. Because Kakaru has no sense of how to interact with people. Mm -hmm. Kakaru is a hamster on a wheel. Yeah. Like, he'd just run. 
And as Heidi says, I'm gonna call you Run Buns because you like to run and I like your buns. Uh, no, wait, that was not actual dialogue. I'm sorry, that's, that is a line from 50% off. Um, but Gabriel does a really good job getting Kakaru, like, getting Kakaru's character. And again, when they're in the Ekiden and he's running and he's like, I don't feel my legs no more. Has it always been this nice out? Yeah. I'm gonna, and then Kakaru literally enters the zone. Um, yes, he does. I think Gabriel does a really good job getting that across, and I really like that there is some bratty, stunted attitude to his performance. And like I said, Gabriel's come a long way from Alba. Um, yes. so I think he does a good job here. And man, Blake Jackson as Hygie steals the show. Like he is so convincing as Hygie as this determined force of. Boy, almost border, border just wants borderline to, Satan. The devil may have possessed him for five minutes. <laughs> five minutes. Try, t- try. You two spend. Hours. You spend. Listen, listen. Okay, man. When you bathe in Satan's piss, um, <laughs> let's be real. That that tub that they're going to is Satan's e-girl bathwater. Um, you might get a little side effects, and I really love how. He makes Haiji sound both level-headed and energetic. And, like, he is really the team dad. And God, that scream he has to let out when Cocker just fucks his- when Haiji just fucks his knee up for the rest of his life. Because, like, even in the time skip, he's permanently limping. He'll never run again. Competitively. And, man, Blake was just so good. And he's a real big highlight of the Mm -hmm. snub. Like, if you needed to, like, see if Blake Jackson's a great actor, this was the show. He nailed Haiji from the second he he stepped on stage. There's the comedy, there's the drama that you need to pull from him. So overall, great job. I am going to eat my chicken. (laughs) Okay, Patrick. Kakeru is, like Megan said, um, I do appreciate that Gabriel actually does play it a little stilted. Um, just because, yeah, Kakeru has basically been doing track and field for a while, and you know that, that gag in, in Spongebob and the episode where they, they do, like, the fancy restaurant, where Spongebob basically has to cram every ounce of, like, etiquette into his brain to the point where, um... He threw away his own name and his own head. That's basically Kakeru with running and his social skills. <laughs> Accurate. Accurate <laughs> description. Particularly to the point where, at a point in the series, it literally becomes that gag where SpongeBob's brain is on fire. Specifically. Mostly because Kakeru wants to punch out motherfuckers. Yeah. Particularly where that lack of social skills. Um, needs him to punch people. And then nearly punch people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really like the fact that, um, he got through Kakeru's sort of asshole side in the first half of the show. And then, after he told off Prince, and then had to apologize for it, where he sort of just accepted the this group of misfits as his team and and his friends and and just generally 
warms up to everybody around him that I think was really great. And then the whole thing in his leg of the race, um, of the Ekiden, where um, uh, he basically ends up getting a runner's high um, that mm -hmm. is incredibly intense uh, to the point where the second his leg of the race ends, he hands off the sash. He finds out, oh, he just beat the record that was just set. Mm -hmm. um, like, not ten minutes before this by Fujioka. And he's just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna run over to meet Haiji at the end of the, uh... No, oh, yeah. Those reporters were trying to get a statement from him, and all Kakeru was like, Prince, we gotta go! We gotta fucking go! We gotta go get to the end! And Prince is just like, stop! Yeah, it was so cute. Stop, no, my <laughs> the reporters are just wa The reporters are just watching them run away. It's like, uh, okay. <laughs> at that point, could you say that Prince had steamed hammies? <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. Oh, I, I feel you. it. I love you. Oh god. Yeah, and um Haiji's a literal fucking devil. <laughs> oh, we love him. Like like the actual devil down to the point of having the contract. <laughs> you can't slip out of it. You can't it, it, it's great and like Blake Jackson does a great job with um Oh, I'm trying to think of a character that's similar, where it's just basically, um, with with the smile, it's just like, oh yeah, Ned, don't you be going and running off now. Oh, if you want another, like, sports anime equivalent, Daichi comes pretty close, actually. From Haikyuu. Mm. Wait, that's Daichi? No, 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 I'm saying, like, in terms of character. Oh. Like, how Haiji's just, like, the, just, like... <laughs> like saying the good words but like now now why don't you come along and don't be a fucking asshat and then they, like in terms of like kind of personality wise they're similar to me like, if that makes sense the tone of his voice is gentle but the look in his eyes are murder yes <laughs> Daichi does that too <laughs> like I, I absolutely love it and god the whole thing with his end of the Eki Den where he is basically keeping himself going on you know competition approved painkillers duct tape and just the sheer will to live my heart my heart broke for him yeah and then that point just right before he gets to the finish line where he shatters his knee for life mm-hmm like, the scream he lets out, and then just seeing Kakeru at the finish line, uh, oh, no. and just giving him the drive to finish this. Ugh, that maybe a little and beklimped. And, and Kakeru could tell something was wrong. Like, he could tell yeah. that, that, that that was it for Haiji, too. I'm like, my heart. My heart broke. Yeah, basically a career ender. But then again, he also, he was the one who basically got the got the job as the um as the corporate coach for a running team, right? Yeah. He he's gonna be coaching a corporate yep. team now, yeah. Like in the end I think Yeah better coach than your dad ever was, Cockaroo. There we go. 
Oh, wait, no, hygiene, my bad. Kakeru and the twins, I think, are in their fourth year at this point, after the time skip? Yeah. Yeah. They're the only three left at Kansei. Everybody else graduated. Like, these two are, like, absolutely great. Um, Honestly, the two of them together, I think the opening scene of the show where Kakeru Mm. is basically fleeing from the convenience store clerk... Um, and then Haiji chases him on the bike and he's just like, hey, do you like running? Mm-hmm. That was a really strong opener for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I really like these two. Um, their dub performances are really great. Um, just thumbs up all around. Okay, uh, Steph. Oh, I gotta top that one, huh? So first and foremost... I probably said the exact same fucking thing when we talked about Surinae, what, a year, year and a half ago now? My, have we come a long way from Dramatical Murder. <laughs> um, cause, lord, um... By the way, you can now officially buy the game from, uh, Jazz oh, Blue, yeah, and it's on right. Steam. Shit. Um. And I can't stream it on Twitch because it's banned. Yeah, that's a horrible idea. Um, but... Gabriel Rogojo as Kakeru. Um, a lot of that has been said I'm going to agree with. The fact that it, there are moments where it can be very stilted and kind of awkward, that's the whole point. Because Kakeru just is not great with social cues. Like, like I, I said earlier, like we were saying and joking earlier that the twins don't know how to read a fucking room. Kakeru comes at a close second to that. <laughs> um, he, he's not really great with social skills and things like that. But I think the main thing I kind of want to talk about with um, Gabriel as Kakeru, um, instead of kind of repeating some of the same things, is I really liked how Gabriel Rogojo portrays Kakeru's, like, internal conflicts very, very well. Because a good portion of the show and the character development that we see in the arcs and stuff is with Kakeru for the majority of it. Because... Even though he's this really socially awkward duckling over here, it's a lot of it comes back to his own trauma from high school because it's a mix of all of the expectations that were placed on him being the star runner of their team, but it also caused a self-isolation for him too. Like this this self-isolation because Everybody else on the team saw him as an impossible goal, including Sakaki. And then at the same time, but this this is like before the whole incident where he punched out his coach, we find out. Um, where he Kakeru is treated very differently. And one of the early flashbacks is his high school team finished a tournament and the coach is just like, ragging them out ragging the whole team out is like what is wrong with you these times are awful why can't you like be why can't you be like kurahara the rest all of you motherfuckers go run let's we're doing we're doing a run when we get back to school and then he turns to kakiru and he's just like no son you can go home you did great today and all kakiru wants is just like um i like i could tell he's like i i'm can go with you guys like i can go with you he feels bad for all of these people and all of the expectations that are placed on them partially because of kakiru and how good he is and then 
that kind of brings the self-isolation into into a good point there. But then we we mentioned we alluded that he punched out his coach for a very good reason. Um he punched out his coach because there was another kid in the high school on an athletic scholarship. And in a weird way, it kind of in its own way mirrors Haiji's story ironically enough where this kid gets a leg injury and he he's trying to like tell the coaches like i i, I can't do too much on this it's, it's like i need to take a little bit of break the coach doesn't let him he's like okay you need to either keep running or you're probably gonna lose your scholarship and you have to leave and the kid doesn't want that so he keeps pushing himself too far that it gets to the point where he can't do it anymore and the coach is just like berating this guy in front of all the other boys on the team and Kakeru has just straight up had enough of it because he sees what's going on in with this guy th this other kid and he at that point he just snaps because he doesn't know how to express himself uh, without <laughs> without punching a motherfucker clearly and I can like Gabriel's internal conflict and struggle with, like, being able to voice himself in a way that makes sense to him, but also being able to, and also expressing himself in a way that people can understand. All of that, I think, adds another level to Gabriel's performance, and I think it comes out very, very well. Um, and I just absolutely loved it. Everything else about it was great, but I really wanted to touch on that a bit more with Gabriel. <laughs> Fucking hell. I love Haiji. Haiji. Haiji stole the show like 90% of the time for me. And this, for Blake Jackson coming from like, because my understanding, because I'm looking at his credits on ANN right now, he's relatively new as in the last few years. Because I'm seeing things like actors, I'm seeing. Blade of the Immortal, I'm seeing Food Wars starting with Third Plate. I'm seeing... Who was he in the actors? Uh, Chiguma. I can't remember which one Chiguma is. Uh, Marume. Marume. Chiguma Marume. I can't remember which one that one that is. He's, he... And then, of course, there's he did Fragtime. He did um, Don Machi starting with Season 2. Um... Shirabako, and then of course what I know him for right now, because I can't remember, fucking remember Chigma from actors, is Izumi and Omaidens, and this is very very different, and very very different from Omaidens. And Blake really gets to like really stretch his acting chops a lot, because while Omaidens is a bit of like a romantic coming of age story and comedy. <laughs> Run with the wind, and with Haiji specifically, Haiji can be a fucking troll. <laughs> Haiji, again, we call him Satan and the literal devil at times, but it's there's a reason for that. <laughs> and um, he Blake got to show more range and more dynamicism. It's not as dynamic of a performance as Mike Haimoto's Prince, but that's because um, Haiji can be a bit more like level-headed and more relaxed compared to Prince. Um, but there are just some precious moments, like, um, when he's first trying to basically, quote-unquote, convince the other nine people to join him for the Ekiden, and, um, the bath breaks down at the dorm, and they all go to the public bath, the one that Haiji normally frequents, 
and then they're all just enjoying themselves and having fun. And then in comes Haiji. First of all, Prince sees, sees him as an image of a literal devil, which is where that fucking comes from. But second of all, just the reaction Blake has, What? The bath is broken? How could that be? Which, first of all, dick move, Haiji. Dick move. You're all here in this one place. Dick move. But it was just a fantastic line read by Blake. It... There are some things you don't fuck with, and that's one of them. <laughs> no, but like... I, I, I agree 100% with Megan that if there's a performance where you can really see Blake as an actor, this is definitely it because there's a lot of dynamicism with it. And my heart just hurt so much for Haiji towards the end of the show because for the majority of it, you don't really 100% know his deal. The things you know is that he knows Fujioka somehow. He has some sort of injury from something. You don't know a ton until you get to, like, the last third of the show. Where you learn from Fujioka about a little bit about his days in high school. And then more in detail during the last stretch of the Ekiden, more about Haiji and his past. And it's just, like, his desire of wanting to relearn, basically, if he enjoyed running or not. And it's a full circle thing. I know, Patrick, you just said that it was a strong opener where he's, like, chasing down Kakeru and asking him if he enjoys running. It kind of ends up going full circle because Haiji wants to relearn, like, if he enjoys it, too. Mm-hmm. So it's a very it's it's a very strong performance. And I'm, I'm a little sad that it didn't get to be recognized last year for Dubby's a little bit. Because he was a contender for me. <laughs> like, it was so good. I loved it. But no, like, Blake Jackson, if anything, stole the show 100% because of how dynamic this performance is. So, yeah. I love them both, though. Both Gabriel and Blake, like, carried the show 100%. Okay. Um, I like the rest of you. I'll start with uh, Gabriel as Kakaru. Hey, y'all, you guys were saying he did a really good job of selling Kakaru as an introvert. Like, yeah, he can sound a little awkward and tilted at times, but it definitely worked with what Cochrane was as a character because he is definitely very much an introvert and doesn't really know how to interact with people. So it's not, so I feel like him talking that way is definitely very like appropriate. And uh, he does a very good job of bouncing up a lot of the other characters really well with his very prickly attitude. Like, especially Prince and the two of them have some really good back and forth, like when Cochrane tries to piss him off the team but just ends up bumping with him instead. Then like and how and I like the other princess Batsuli is kind of like what helps you get uh, Kakaru to open up his mind a little bit more past like just seeing everything in terms of black and white and just like and just you know winning being all that matters and whatnot. As I and 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 of course I do as I, I do kind of like how he slowly bonds with the rest of the team to the point where when uh, Kakaru finally stops in front of Kakuti. Uh, Gabriel does a really good job of just selling across, getting across all the frustration he's been carrying, and it really felt like he was just a good second for punching that dude in the face, and the others didn't stop him, and Gabriel did a really good job of getting across his anger in that moment, and again, I do kind of wish he had fun Sakaki, but, you know, it would be a very different show if he had done that. Later on in the show, when Kakaru, like, finally opened up on his pads and everything with his terrible coach... Uh, Gabriel does a really good job of just getting across how much self-loathing Kakaru's been carrying. And while his little blurry there could have been a little more emotive at some points, 
I feel like he did a really good job of just getting across how hard it was for Kakuru to finally be honest with himself. And when he finally does decide to commit to the team, like, for real, uh, Gabriel does a really good job of just getting across and sets a resolution. As an aside, I really do appreciate that he's like, oh yeah, like, I finally decided to do this for real. And then, like, Haiti hears that, he's like, hey guys, he finally, he said he's finally decided to do this for real. And they're like, wait, so you weren't making yeah. serious until now. It's like, hang on, what? <laughs> You it's motherfucker. It's like, like, no, that's not what I mean. It's like, no, I was taking it seriously, but not that seriously. It was an awkward turtle. It's great. Yes, but also no. Yeah. No, but also yes. Yeah, I really said, yeah, I really dug Gabriel's performance. It was, it was really strong. It was honestly one of my favorites from last year, and and so I'm definitely a strong card for the stub. And then moving on to uh, Blake, to, uh, Blake Jackson as Hijack. As the devil. Uh, yeah, I said this before uh, when we were doing the Obedience episode. Mm-hmm. But definitely a lot of, but there are definitely some points where his deliveries, where his delivery sounds a little more like stage acting and voice acting. And the way he kind of like tends to project his voice sometimes sort of sounds like he's, you know, maybe like talking to an audience rather than just like, Except Randall might be talking to himself or like other characters. That's 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 words. Um, there were a couple of points where that bothered me a little bit in terms of like how naturally he sounded, but that was definitely something that he improved with in time. Uh, definitely uh, one good stand up over him was when he like called out Kakaru for the first time over his whole assessment results and speed and how he wasn't like really doing a good job of acknowledging his teammates. I thought that I thought that Blake Jackson's had a very passion that moment of kind of like getting across Hygie's frustration with how Cocker was kind of like a big little endurance there. And I think he has like some really, really, really good comedic chops. And uh, I like how well he passes off the other characters that were Hygie needs to be funny. Like, especially the first few episodes where he's like fully black, where he's trying to blackmail the other team members. I saw like that whole bit where he like where he's with Moose in the shopping district, and, so, and he's talking that and he's talking to the lady Moose works for. He's like, oh, he's like, oh yeah, Moose is a dependable guy. He's a dependable guy. It's a good thing I recommended him for this job. Sure would be a shame if he lost it. And Moose just looks at him like, like the fear in that man's eyes. So fucking good. <laughs> He just turns pale white as a ghost. He's just like, ugh. Uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, I definitely liked him in the comedy movies, and it's definitely the point where I think his performance really looks not the most, not the most natural, and he's definitely a lot of fun at those points. And I also appreciate that while Heidi does his best to, like, always act positive, and whenever you do see him getting acting like a little more doubtful, like right before the Eki Dan, or while he when he tells Kakaru about his relationship with his dad, I think that those are like some of the moments where Blake's performance softens up a bit, and it, and like sounds the most nuanced, and I really appreciate his delivery in, this moment, in those moments. And I really, and I really do like his dynamic with Kakaru in that respect. Because I and it just really gets across it, like, hey, but Kaiji is a very like, I kind of think he's a very positive dude, but even he, like, worries about things constantly. And, to, and how, I, again, I really didn't just like that old scene where, seeing on the trailer, he's like, 
I, he's like, I've spent all the time pushing everyone for this, but maybe I should have been harder. Maybe there's more I could have done. I'm not sure if, like, we're all really ready for this. And it's the first time where you could... The first time you ever really, really see Doubt and Haiji, and I think that Blake got that across really well. And I really liked his delivery during Haiji's monologue and the last one in the Ekiden, and how he wishes he could tell his dad about the awesome team he's put yeah. together after everything he went through. Yeah, as an aside, I do appreciate that we do get like one scene. That's that one scene with Heidi's dad where it looks like he's where it looks like he's just focusing on like practicing with his team and not really paying attention to the race. And, like, and then he likes see and then he likes seeing with headphones and he's like clearly listening in and I was like, oh, that was oh, nice. Yeah, that was really really sweet. Where the where dad is listening in. <laughs> And his dad's kind of crying yeah, a little bit too. Because he knows how much this means to him. Because yeah. I think it was it was his dad that told that told him to be patient, right? After Haiji got injured, I think. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Hi, so his dad does know how much this means to Haiji in his own way. Like, yeah, but yeah, but it, yeah, it just really gave a whole sense of like how important this whole experience had been to him. And Blake did a really good job of getting it across pretty well. Like you guys are saying, Blake did a really good job with that scream in the end when. ID like finally destroyed his knee for good, and it could just really got a crowd how much pain he was in that one moment. That, that, and how and how and how it, how he still kind of felt was ultimately worth it in the end, but like he had a definitely had to hurt. Yeah, he's permanent. Uh, yeah, Bobby, he's got a permanent yeah. limp. My heart goes mm. out to Haiji, precious bean, still the devil, precious mm. bean. Uh, but yeah, both these performances were sorry, both these performances were really strong. But I, uh, definitely, definitely, if you need a good example of how Gabriel Gojo and Blake Jackson could be good actors, uh, these two are definitely the roles to look for. One hundred percent, I can agree with that. Yeah, and with that, we can finally move on to final thoughts. Uh, Megan, definitely. So this is a series with a lot of heart to it, and. While a lot of people probably go into sports anime wanting the team to, you know, win the nationals and all that fun junk, you know, mm-hmm. the old <laughs> Pro ZD t-shirt, Tic-Tac-Toe Championship, we're going to nationals. Um, I love how the ending of the show is not that, that there is more to life than winning and yeah. losing. It's about being a better person. And I think the dub captures that spirit very well. It's a well-casted show. It's got a lot going for it. There are some little hiccups in the back towards this, but overall, it's a really enjoyable watch. And especially once the Ekiden starts, it feels like the show breezes by. And I was like, I want more! Uh, But seriously, though, really great effort from Sentai. So if you haven't watched this yet, you really should. Uh, Patrick? Yeah. So, honestly, um, Run with the Wind as a show is incredible. Um, I'm glad I finally took the time out to sit down through all of it. It definitely has vibes similar to, I'd like to say, like, Ping Pong, where it's basically, you know, ace athlete basic, uh, starting over and trying to rediscover what brought his passion into this. In terms of sports anime, um, this probably actually tears very high on my list of favorites. In terms of the dub, um, like I said before, um, this is probably one of Sentai's strongest release, like, last year, year before-ish. 
Like, it, it's one of the strongest Sentai has put out in a little while. Um, especially once once things get to the Ekiden and everything just really starts going full steam. So, yeah. I would not hesitate to recommend this, either sub or dub. Uh, cool. Uh, stuff. Okay. First of all, go watch Run with the Wind. Just fucking do it. It's really good. Um, second, in terms of the dub for Run with the Wind, <laughs> it, it, it gives a lot of care and attention to, like, the core themes and to its characters, and it's such a very, very strong showing about learning to grow and to be your own person um and how to be your own person at the same time and especially for some of these characters who lose sight of some of their dreams and their goals in the process i mean you have like i would say haiji kakadu and nico are strong examples of that um of that aspect but also like the development of who you are as a person to which definitely king displays that um jota definitely displays that um and uh no maybe not necessarily should know yuki yeah yuki is another one like there are aspects to these wonderful wonderful boys that can resonate with you um because we've all been there or are currently in that situation and the cast itself is very, very dynamic. It's one of the one of the better or one of the better and probably one of my favorite ensemble casts from Sentai in a long in a while. Um, and the dub itself is a very, very strong effort. There are some minor hiccups here and there um, in terms of the performances, but that's really only in the early onset because um, everybody else grows into their roles uh, as time goes on. And it has the fact that there are th at least three performances from actors that like might have had issues with in the past with some of their previous roles. They've like you can see how much those individuals have grown um, as actors, and their their talents are very much on display here. And it's very. <sighs> Please go watch Run with the Wind. Please go watch Run with the Wind. It is. A fun show probably it's probably one of among up there is one of my favorite sports animes at this point too um and uh I, you can't tell me the ekiden is not of is, is ekiden is probably one of my favorite little tournament arcs in a sports anime like fuck you fight me <laughs> like it's so well it's, it's up, up there, there. It's so yeah. well done it is amazing and you will like be cheering you will be like feeling those the motions you will be like it will pull your heartstrings like it's so good please go watch run with the wind i have my my premium set in the mail from a sentai sale please please go watch run with the wind uh so yeah uh run with the wind was a show i was a show i wasn't like totally sure about what i like first started watching the simulcast but i got really into it as it went along and it ended up becoming uh, it's becoming one of my favorite sports anime and definitely like my favorite ensemble sports anime since I'm kind of more of a solo sports anime guy like, you know, your Hajime no Repos or Ikaru Go, stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, like definitely ensemble-wise, this is one of my favorite sports anime. I really I really like a lot of its themes and the way... And the way it talks about 
like running not even not even necessarily in the sport but just like and how it kind of and like what it means to the characters and how and how their lives kind of improve from doing it i thought that's like a really interesting aspect that you don't sometimes see with a lot of other sports anime and, so, and as far as the dub is concerned i think it does a really good job of getting across those scenes it's pretty solid it's pretty solidly casted i definitely i definitely their performances i felt like sit out of a place in a negative sense and the direction was pretty strong. The script was pretty solid for the most part. As I end, yeah, it came together pretty well. There were like a couple pickups here and there, but on the whole, it's a solid dub. Uh, pretty solid showing from Sentai and Shannon Reed. And uh, I guess in general, this is a pretty. This is a show that I feel is like a pretty easy, well, not an easy recommendation to people, but definitely something I would just recommend in general. It's, it's, a, uh, it's, a real, it's just a really strong, passionate little show. It's a, and uh, if you'd like to see something a little different with sports anime, outside of, like, you know, the usual short and sports aesthetic, this is a really good time. And you should definitely check it out. So, uh, so, that, uh, so that basically wraps things up here. Uh, uh, you can rock, run with the wind right now on High Dive. Both sub and dub. I think the sub version is also still on Crunchyroll, but I got Yeah, it is. Four. It is, because um, ah. both High Dive and Crunchyroll versions are on Verve, to which I'm a dumbass, and clearly, I guess my Roku app is just out of date. <laughs> I had a weird experience the other day where for some reason I couldn't watch Run With The Wind on Verve because uh, it wouldn't pull up on the Roku app. And then Andrew, after he got home from work, he sh he pulled it up on his phone with Verve. And I'm like, what the fuck? So, if you have a Roku with Verve, yeah. watch it. Oh, so yeah. Just be careful. Oh, uh, yeah. So there's the places you can stream the show. You can also buy the show off of Bright Stuff and sometimes... Website uh, has a pretty nice premium box set. As for us, we are the Dub Talk Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr is dead. Because Tumblr, Tumblr, but this show could be on Tumblr because it does have male presenting nipples. God damn it. Yeah, you can also listen to us on YouTube, Spotify, and Podbean. And Apple. As I add, uh, uh, if you would like to, if you like to support anything we do, you can uh, you can support us through a Kofi or through our Patreon. And before we wrap things up tonight, I'd like to give a shout out to our patrons. Uh, at the five dollar tier, we have Megan's Mom and Dad, Michelle Travis, Miraculous Corazone, Nico Robin, Lily Yowie Hands, uh, Sue Tweedy, and Victor Marabona. And at the ten dollar tier, we have Brandon Best, Carly Lessacow, Crimson Akinda, Jake Wilson, J Two AKA Jared, Julia W, Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. And again, thanks for all your support, guys. We really appreciate it. Yay! Thank you. Patrons are awesome. Yeah, <laughs> patrons. Are awesome. And uh, before we wrap up tonight, do you guys want to plug yourselves real quick? Ha! Um. <laughs> Hi, I'm Megan. You can follow me at Cleaner2 on Twitter. I mostly shitpost. Okay, uh, Patrick? My habbies are still on fire. 
God damn it. You but you to, can you find me on Twitter.com at Roots of Justice, where I mainly retweet cute animal pics. Dark General Fandom, why don't you come on down? Have a good time. Um, I also have some stuff on the back burner that will hopefully be brought to the bro be brought up to the front burner sometime soon. Hello, my name is Stephanie. I'm sometimes known as Lilac here on the internet. Uh, you can you can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review with review being spelled R E V U E. Um, I also have a blog, Life and Times of Talk at WordPress.com, uh, where I sometimes like to post things. But I may as well throw this out there too. And Megan, if you want to throw it out there too. I can start streaming oh, shit yeah. now. Yeah, we're same fam. We're starting to slowly try and utilize the um, Dev Talk Twitch a bit more. Uh, at the time of recording this, I know Megan will be streaming Fire Emblem Three Houses on Wednesday, and I'm gonna start. I s it depends on what what I feel like. I'll either stream Three Houses or um, or Xenoblade Two, yeah. and I might start a third series eventually. But that's the one I'm playing blind. Yeah. Um, uh, which soon, Jet as Jet as I upgrade my internet. Jet what? Jet would enjoy me playing that particular sh that particular <laughs> and, um, game though. Mean, so Megan's gonna, Megan's been been doing some streaming with the Twitch on Wednesdays. I'm gonna start streaming as of Wednesday the 10th. I won't get to do the 17th because another thing is recording and Andrew's involved. But I'm gonna be starting to stream the game Limbo. So it'll be a fun time because I have a new fucking computer finally. Hallelujah. Yeah, hey. And it's not a Mac. <laughs> so everybody's Modern like, don't technology. get a fucking Mac. Everybody's like, don't get a fucking Mac this time, Steph. But God, relearning how a PC works has been interesting. <laughs> but um, yeah, come on, come on by anyway, the Twitch this streams. Been going on but yeah, come on now. by the Twitch streams. <laughs> we have fun. We're, we're, we're trying to do more Twitch streams now. So uh, as for me, I'm Chet. You can find me on Twitter at DefineDego where I will uh, usually be talking about anime or cartoons or like some nonsense. Uh, you can also find me on my blog Anime Infinity where I will sometimes write things if I feel like it. And uh, you can also hear me on another podcast, Podcast Over Day, where we'll usually be shooting the breeze and talking about anime news and general fandom stuff alongside one of them talk host Andrew. So uh, that more or less wraps us up for tonight. Let's uh, recommend on, guys. You're welcome. I'm, yeah, I'm happy to have gotten to do this one. Just just do me a favor, Jet. Please don't make us run all the way back. Please. I I, I know I know I've been I know we've been good for three hours now, but like I don't I don't want to run all the way back. Can we not, please? I'm not cut out for this shit. Knees to your chest and lean forward, girl. Knees to your chest yeah, and lean it's... forward, and that's how you Sonic roll. <laughs> but to say lean uh, forward, I'm uh, like, listen, I'm a bit front heavy. <laughs> um, no, I'm not front heavy. I'm top I mean, heavy. I'm top heavy. That is a horrible idea. <laughs> I'm say, don't make me do that. Uh, it's fine. We're not getting paid enough for this anyway. <laughs> you get paid? <laughs> Look, that's news Jack, to me. we all have a real answer Wait. of what we can do. You get I'm calling my union. Jed, I have an idea. You know who we can make run for the rest of us? Andrew? Well, yes. Uh, but let's just say, we can always just make a dog team out of Andrew, Noah, Andrew, Noah, Jamal, and Black and Artie. <laughs> they can take us home. Yes! <laughs> Jingle, just just put them in front of a sled and put it on wheels. Congratulations. Zen can, Zen can ride with us. Zen and Gigi get to yes. ride with us. They cool. So does Jackson. <laughs> mush, boys, mush.
Mush boys, mush. See, we found the problem. Anyway, thanks for letting us run yeah, with you, Jack. This has been fun. Yeah, this is yeah. great. I finally got to watch the yeah. show, and I really loved it. I know, me too. I'm so happy. Awesome. Um, so thanks for listening in, everyone. And until next time, we're talking about my friends. Good night, everybody. Otagawan the Daba. Andrew Stone, Horny Joe.